Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Overwatch Precision is a team of civilians and combat veterans based in Phoenix, Arizona, that employ industry-leading production methods, coatings, and materials in their striker-fired polymer-framed pistol trigger systems. With an internal engineering team focused on thoughtful design, Overwatch's flat-faced and curved triggers safely deliver a mechanical advantage to your carry or duty Glock, Walther, CZ, P10, and Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 with improved function and increased accuracy. See more at overwatchprecision.com. Filster makes awesome holsters. But not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholsters.com. Primary Arms Government recently showed off a new giveaway, which features a new Daniel Defense M4 V7 rifle, complete with GLX 1-6 power first focal plane rifle scope, PLX mount, and more. These monthly giveaways are only open to first responders and members of the military, so there's way less competition for the big prize. Entry is also completely free with no purchase necessary, ever. So if you want to have a chance to win, just visit primaryarms.com government and hit the giveaway button at the top. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have relied on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. Yeah, there's a thing that happens like Every social group has a system for gaining status inside the group. And some groups, that's like, how much do you contribute? Are you valuable? Do you volunteer? Do you help people? And then other groups, it's just, how much of a sarcastic asshole can you be? Yes. And um, I used to think those groups were fun when I was like 20. But I don't anymore. It's only been three years. (laughs) (laughs) i don't honestly i don't i can't really think or say to myself that i've ever found those groups to be interesting somehow i keep getting dragged into those groups and then i get dragged into those groups and i'm like oh that's kind of cute i guess for a couple of days before i'm like god damn i'm out i can't i can't do this anymore i try to keep an eye on them because well, there's all there's always something happening, right? And and okay, okay. So like, 
we try to keep an eye on a lot of things to make sure that, you know, uh, people aren't doing stuff like sharing screenshots from our group and making fun of it. Because the whole point is that like people need to be able to feel comfortable sharing that they don't know something or sharing, you know, how awkward it is to carry a gun on their particular body. Right. And no one's going to get better unless people have a certain amount of latitude to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you turn around and you find out that someone who yesterday learned this much about guns and shooting thinks that they're going to contribute to anything (laughs) by (laughs) shit posting and shitting on people yes who are trying to learn and are trying to get better and and who are out here actually doing the thing and it's like okay so you want to make fun of someone on the internet who doesn't know as much as you who isn't like adamant about their wrong opinion they're actually asking for knowledge Mm -hmm. right it's one thing to like encounter someone who's like well open carry deters criminals and this and that and the other thing and you go yeah 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 you know some people really kind of have it coming and they really do deserve to be made fun of but some people are just like genuinely trying to learn oh absolutely i've i've encountered a guy like that uh i guess it was yesterday evening or maybe maybe it was this morning i don't know it's grown into like a 200 count you know thread uh deal on like what is it how how do i how i know you don't train or like whatever whatever that whatever what is one of those bully groups right and this one of those groups where no one actually shoots or shows up for class yeah exactly or 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 makes anything or provides any value whatsoever right and the dude is slamming on some guy in like a SIG group about having like a uh, a cracked opt- optic lens. And the guy was like, man, I know I didn't uh, I know I didn't drop this thing or bang it against something, but the lens cracked on it. And, you know, a few other people are like, oh, yeah, you've got to, you know, like in the SIG group, you know, folks that are very knowledgeable, you know, like guys like Riley Bowman. And, yeah. you know, some others that have got a lot of time behind like SIG optics are like, well, the one thing you've got to pay attention to is that sometimes SIG P320s will eject the brass directly into the glass. So you don't necessarily need to hammer it onto something or, you know, or or bang it on something or drop it. But it is inherent that, that you know, sometimes the glass will get cracked because brass constantly is being ejected against it. Well, this guy just immediately picks out what he wants and shares it in this like how I know you don't train page or whatever. And so I was like, me being me, you know, I'm like, hmm. So I go back in just the history and I, I just searched this Blake Hill guy, right? And I'm like, let's see what this guy has contributed. Like if he's truly contributing some good stuff to the group, then no harm, no foul, right? But if the guy is just constantly shit posting on everybody else and brings no value to the group, then you know what? I'm tired of reading this stuff from these types of people all the time. I'm going to call them out. And sure enough, you know, like there's been multitudes of times where this guy has posted something, somebody like with true value gives him some like other feedback or input. And the guy's like, nope, you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. Like constantly. So I was like, hmm. And I found like kind of one of the most cringeworthy posts he had. And I copied it and was like, man, imagine this guy who likes to shit on somebody else for like a pertinent question they had about an optic cracking. And now this guy wants to dogpile like in this group yet has not provided any 
like any meat and potatoes of anything to this group. And this guy lost his fucking mind. And it's been oh, yeah. great. Like it's, it's been, it's been extremely humorous to watch this guy lose his shit, but you know, so, I, yeah, two, two, two things. One, the people who are fastest to, to forget that everyone starts somewhere are, are the people who just fucking left that somewhere. Exactly. Yes. Like, it's like that 100%. door, like the, it's like out of sight, out of mind. The instant yeah. that they are no longer the guy who just started somewhere, yep. they forget that it's possible to be like that. They forget every dumb thing that they bought. They forget every dumb choice that they made. They forget every dumb thing that they said on the internet. And the only way to, I guess, anchor their forward progress mm -hmm. is on the backs of everyone who hasn't taken step number one yet. Oh, exactly. Number two, I ran into this the other day. Someone scared, shared a screenshot from our group and they're making fun of an incredibly squared away lady on a church security detail who, who turns out to be someone who relentlessly volunteers with the DC project and is on Capitol Hill constantly. Someone who contributes more than the 20 people in the comment thread combined in terms of like volunteer hours for the second amendment, advancing the cause, you know, everything, literally everything that these people aren't doing because mm -hmm. if they were doing it, they knew they'd know who she was. Right. And she's out there on Capitol Hill fighting for your gun rights. And you're going to make fun of some church lady on the internet. Yep. Like, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing. There's, there's the, the other problem is that we're now of an age and an amount of time into this where if we turn around to this crowd of people who think that shit posting for clout is how this works and correct them, mm -hmm. we're going to be old fuddy duds <laughs> right. for trying to enforce the, the, uh, the mandatory quality culture that needs to exist in order for those assholes and everyone behind them to come into the fold and get better. John, you're right? absolutely right. And the worst, thing, and it, the worst is when you do correct them, then it's like they get this higher and mightier, like this, this all of a sudden they get this big humongous, like bucket of vote of ethics. And they're like, well, you know, for you to be a businessman or be in control of your own business, like, I can't believe you'd be this unprofessional and calling out somebody else who is truly being unethical or unprofessional. And oh, they, yeah, they try great. to turn it back on you. Like, oh, it's, it's oh, yeah. you're the problem. I'll never buy your product because how dare you call me out for being the asshole that I am. And I like, and honestly, the part of me that I love about it the most is like, you're right. And that's the reason I'm now self-employed, you self-righteous <laughs> yeah is that I get to make those decisions, whether they affect me in the future or they affect me now, or they affect you, whether or not you make the decision to come to one of my classes or not. It's great that I get to choose who I fire and who I hire as clients before you've ever even stepped foot in a class or paid me a dollar. And that's cool too. Like, I like that. That's very empowering. Oh yeah. And that's really the, the solution. You know, like the thing with those shit posting groups is like, when we see that kind of stuff in our group, we just boot them. 
you know, like we can't control what they do over there. They can have a shitty group and be shitty to each other and not oh, progress. You're That's absolutely fun. right. Sarah, the problem is though, is then they immediately, if you boot them, then you're given the same type of, you're given almost the same type of, uh, I, I, what's the word I'm really looking for? Like, uh, like reputation that like anybody else is as far as like, oh, well now you're just trying to control an echo chamber and you just want it to be an echo chamber and you don't like any outside influences and you don't this and you don't that. And it's like, right. no. And it's like, but, but the response like, to that is like- What made you think your contribution was valuable? Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the only response that I have to that anymore is like, well, that's your, that like, well, man, that's just like your opinion, man. If, yep. like, <laughs> if you think I'm ejecting you Who in cares? order to maintain an echo chamber, you, you're really overvaluing your thoughtful contribution. Yep. Like we're, we we're ejecting that. you because your, your quality of dialogue and discourse is harming the environment that we are trying to craft in such a way that people can learn. Like if we were in a classroom all together and, and someone was acting like that, they'd be asked to leave. Yep. And it's because everyone else wants to learn. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes the communities that we are in valuable. And that's what makes people want to get in. And we actually had a guy just the other day that uh, we booted from the group for just being an incorrigible, rude jerk. Yep. And he's like, well, you guys just want to control the message and you don't allow outside opinions. And I was like, the fact that you think you got booted for your opinion and not your behavior is exactly the problem. <laughs> he's like, well, how come I can't get back in? Well, because clearly nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> and and my answer to the people who think like we're trying to create an echo chamber is, well, I don't think that I don't I don't care what you think. Like the on the inside of that community, there is robust and healthy debate and anyone can participate in that as long as they follow the rules of the group. The rules of the group have nothing to do with your opinion. So you can follow them or not. That's on you. And I don't really care what you say about it after you get booted. Yep. So if I understand you guys correctly, what you're saying is mere ownership of something does not equal expertise. Oh wait, no, that was something else. <laughs> well, I mean that too, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's, it's always gonna, it's just a human nature thing, I think, you know? Yeah. And it's like, the more attention you give to that, the, the more excited they get about it. <laughs> so we, that's really the main reason why we boot those folks. It's like, after a while, you know the pattern and you're like, this guy's gonna be a, <laughs> this guy's gonna be a troll in a shit poster. We're just gonna boot immediately, uh, and just not waste our time, so that we can spend our time on things that we can invest in our community and grow our community and add value to our members. Yeah. The, the, the other thing is, is that all of this being on Facebook, you can click on someone's profile, and you see that they're like in their thirties and they're like married, and it's like. How did you make it that far? And what are, and like, and like, what are you doing to this poor woman? It's like, <laughs> like that, that meme, like, is everything okay at home? <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing? I'm trying to get the lights brighter. Oh. Said, yeah, there you go. There we go. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, I know you guys deal with a lot of that. And Matt certainly deals with a lot of that. 
Uh, and we deal with a lot of that now too. Yeah. It's like, hey, once you get big enough, you are a target for that. And who cares? Like, it's well, just this is why we participate and we add value to groups that are moderated. We're not doing a stupid free for all and we're not going to waste our time with a bunch of stupid back and forth with people yeah. whose opinions don't matter. And, uh, like, that's why I don't really participate in the shit posting groups because they're, they're not really moderated and there's no point to it. So, like, invest your time where your contribution matters. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is even within those shit posting groups, there's still probably the same four to five people that seem to kind of move from group to group to group, but kind of as a clan that may offer some actual value and expertise and experience that immediately get dismissed that like for some reason, some of them will stick around and others of them. And I've, I'll say myself included on that where it's like, I try. And then when you're, when you're dismissed like three or four times in a row, you're just like, you know what? I'm done with you, you know, but then you leave. And then when you leave and then you find out like everybody wants to talk shit about you behind your back, like, wow, that Tim Heron guy, he's just weak. And he didn't like the fact that nobody agreed with his stance. And it's like, no, that, that has nothing to do with it at all. But it's like, it, it blows my mind that like when somebody is offering you like some input and some value, it's immediately dismissed because it's not for clout or shit posting or for drama or I don't know. Yeah, that's a good right. point. Or like, I'm going to disengage from, from this group or this conversation, not because I can't hack it here. It's yes. because I have to go teach someone who wants to learn this and is going to have quantifiable and measurable results from that. Now, there, there are a few people I know who really stick it out in these groups. And I look at them like, like uh, missionaries in Calcutta <laughs> among the lepers. Yeah, you know? Yes. <laughs> They're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, they like find one person who can be saved. Uh-huh. It makes like, it worth it. Bring yep. them they, out of the, the quagmire yeah. of shit posting. And they put them yes. on the path. And that's awesome. Like I've seen a, quite a few of those guys. I feel uh, like I group. used to be that way. And yeah. I've, I've just, I've lost it. You know, like I'm just like, nope. I have zero patience for this anymore. Like yeah. the guy that that did to me, like really brings that to light to me is Riley Bowman. Right. Yeah. Like right. no matter like what, Riley, yeah. Riley wants to give everybody his all the time. And there's certain times like I'll I'll literally call him or I'll I'll text him and I'll be like, bro, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? And he's like, well, I really feel like I might be getting in, like I'm getting in touch with that person and really breaking through. And I'm like, I I just don't have that patience anymore. It's, it's like but I remember like when I was cults. Riley and Steve Fisher were me, right? When Steve was the guy who was like, I can't deal with that bullshit anymore. How do you deal with it? You're going to get sick of it. And I was like, no way, Steve, not me. And now here we are like four short years later. And I'm like, I, I, I'll, I'll message Steve and be like, how did you ever do this before? Steve's like, I told you, I told you, you're going to hate humanity. And that's just how it becomes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, you're absolutely right. I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Those guys are doing the Lord's work in there and I respect it. 
And I do think there's some spectator value, even uh, people that read those conversations, but don't participate and come away learning something because the people that don't participate have no face to save if they're wrong about something. Right. So they can easily, much more easily change their mind than the person you're actually talking to. Yep. Oh, the other thing, the number of people who want to argue about stuff that they can try for themselves. Oh, all the time. Like, it's like, I'm not going to argue with you about a physics principle, like go drop an apple out of a tree and do it yourself. Yep. Yeah. Like we're not talking about anything like that you can't test for yourself, you know, like, Hey, here's a way to get your split times lower. No, it's not. I don't know. Did you try it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Did you try Even it? Like, You're here because you have a gun, and apparently you know enough that you can talk shit about people, but you're not going to go shoot the drill or try this new method or technique or, like, anything that's at your own fingertips. Yes. Even, even like, the simplest things that anyone can do, not split times, like, split times, or that that's, like, advanced magic for a lot of folks, but let's talk, like... Holster positioning? Holsters. If you say to somebody, this holster works in this way, and this is how the physics of it work, and they're like, yeah, but no, you just think that because, you know, you you have a financial interest in your brand and you just want to bash other brands. It's like, no, put it on. Put it on and press here and see what happens over here. You can follow along at home. Like, this is a (laughs) principle like you are free to like whatever brand you want that's cool like i do not care but please don't argue with me about (laughs) the basic like you know equal opposition and and things that you can just yeah it's ridiculous you could try it at home it's every day every who can take the baking soda and the vinegar and make a volcano (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) Yeah, the physics in this household are equal to the physics in your household because science, right? <laughs> uh, okay, somebody brought up the flex off groups, and I will say that I like those groups because because the rules are clearly defined, and if the rules are clearly defined and there's a clear winner or loser, then all you can say is, "Oh, well, you got me that time." Well, you know. And, uh, it- you would say that you would think that Sarah, but it's really yeah. not the case. So many but of those then, groups, it's like, okay. When like, they go off the rails, it's just funny though. Exactly. <laughs> somebody decided to do, I don't know. Somebody decided to like call me wrong about something. And I was like, okay. And so somebody like prodded me. They were like, Tim, you should totally do your first flex off. And I was like, come on, this is dumb. That's and, hilarious. Was, and they were like, no, 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 you should totally do it. And I was like, all right. I suppose I'll do this. So I just did something very, very simple. It was like a seven yard bill drill, a 15 yard bill drill and a 25 yard bill drill. And then the guy that like, I did this whole flex off thing against like decided to like make up his own rules secondary to the point that I had like set up these, you know, set up these standards and then like claimed a miss as a hit or whatever. And people are like making fun of this guy. And then of course, then the admins of that, of that group were like, well, because neither one of you really followed any of the groups and we really don't know what's going on on these on this whole rule set neither of you are getting a mute neither of you are getting dismissed and it just became like well then what was the point like, yeah I, I don't 
I don't quite understand this. Like if I, I, I don't know. I, I just, so I immediately, I'm like, okay, I'm with the group and then done with that group. And then of course, then, like I said, I get plenty of private messages for people that are like, oh my God, you backed out. Now everybody's talking smack on you. I guess I don't care. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't. Oh, no, mean. my classes are full. What will I ever do? Like they're all there, about saying about like, playing, uh, playing chess that. with a chicken or something like that. Yeah, right. That's what I equate this whole thing to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's shit well, posting for cloud out of our system. Yeah, got that one yes. out of the way. Oh, good. What else we got? Well, this is the beauty of this. This is up to you guys that you present it. So... Oh, I guess I'll I'll keep that as our like uh, the, the preamble. Perfect. And I'll do my quick little intro. Hey everyone, Matt Lanter here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. This is the sixth annual airing of grievances. This is episode number three twenty five. We do one of these episodes every year around Christmas. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, Brian and I did an episode that I think we might wind up doing that yearly prior which is talking about our favorite things, because that's also a Christmassy thing. Um, in this specific episode, I've shotgunned invites to all kinds of people and basically said, hey, if you guys want to come on and complain, come on. It's going to yeah. be fun. And you're going to be in good company. Good people are going to join us. And it's, good, it's just going to be a good time. Um, pretty much there, there really are rules. The panelists are, are going to provide at least one grievance and then we all get to enjoy it. We all get to agree, disagree, whatever. It's just fun. Um, that's pretty much it. We've all, we already have we already had a really good discussion just now. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back. Uh, and what I'm going to be doing during this is I'm going to be monitoring the uh, the list of attendees and adding panelists. Um, if you have to take off let me know that way you can plug whatever in this. I, I encourage you to plug yourself, your company, your wares, whatever um, with your, with your grievance, give a quick background on yourself and then yeah, have at it. Let's do if possible one at a time. So if Tim has one, he presents it and then we go to Sarah, then we go to JR, then we go to whoever. Um, and I, I can just call on you or if you want to volunteer, that's pretty much it. These are these have been these are probably the most popular episodes that we do just because they're it's in such it's just so much fun. And just again, good people are here. And it's just you know, awesome. So Tim, have you officially been able to talk about your specific grievance? Oh, well, you know, John and Sarah actually brought up uh, a, a pretty good one there with the uh with the the clout groups or the shit post groups or uh, or flex off groups, that was going to be one of mine. Um, but I think we've covered that. Uh, me traveling so much um, for classes and things like that. Uh, mine's really not necessarily. I've got a couple of grievances, but this one, this one of course is, is kind of like my first is like being a frequent air traveler. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> if you travel more than two to three times a year, you need to learn proper air travel etiquette, yeah. period. 
There is absolutely zero excuses for you not to know kind of like the ways of air travel and like how to board a plane properly and how to manage yourself properly when you're on a plane, how to, I don't know, like how to maintain your composure when you're in an airport, um, how to treat other people, how to treat other people with respect. Um, and I, I, that, that's my biggest grievance. And like, obviously many of you, you know, are, are very good friends with me, you know, on Facebook and things like that and see a lot of my, my grievances throughout the year, uh, whether it be folks that are, you know, that, that stand too close to the, uh, to the, to the carousel on the baggage to people that did, I, I don't know. I, I try to post them all the time and it's hilarious how many people like truly get irritated with me, like seeming like I'm bitching or complaining, like on my Facebook well, group, but I'm, what I am, I'm being as funny, a, but at the as same a member time, of I, that contingent, however, okay. As a representative of the, of, of that contingent you just mentioned, I'm here to point out that the other aspect of, uh, doing air travel well is that if you travel as much as Tim Heron, you should fly first class and not have to deal with any of that. (laughs) If, if, if you're flying, I'd say more than once a quarter, the way the, the airfares have changed over the past couple of years, I have seen a lot of coach costs increase Mm -hmm. to the point where flying first class for a lot of short trips is like a hundred bucks more. Well, and you're you right. Know? You're right. And, it does. However, I think it's how also- can you flex off against anyone if you're not flying first class? Uh, I can't flex off against anybody. You're right. However, living in and I say small podunk Albuquerque, that's the problem that I have is like limiting. Like I'm limited to air travel to particular airlines simply because of availability of different flights and times and schedules of flights. So like my primary, my primary air travel is through Southwest airlines simply because I can get just about anywhere and everywhere I need to. um, And they also provide the most options out of Albuquerque airport, which is, that's a big, that's a big like kind of issue. But at the same time, that's also kind of the big plus as to why I've chosen Southwest more than anything else. Now, that being said, and I know it's it's coach from seat aisle number one to aisle number 32, right, is it, it's Southwest, right? We, we know what we get. We shouldn't throw a fit. But at the same time, to me, it's like it's no excuse for many, many other travelers who travel far and wide across this great country, you know, in the air at least one to two times a month that still don't seem to have any understanding of general air etiquette or air travel etiquette. And it, sometimes it just, it's one of those things I have to poke prod or pick at just because I don't know, maybe it makes me feel better for the fact that I don't get to travel first class as much as I'd like to. (laughs) There, There could be a kind of a sampling bias inherent in your particular experience flying Southwest so much. Because you're, the the average passenger that you're around is choosing to fly on a dumpster with wings, and that's going to attract a certain clientele. <laughs> Very true. So I'll give it's it like, yeah, man. I don't know what it is, but every time I travel, I meet a lot of like really hardcore drug addicts. It's like, well, it's because you take the bus. <laughs> 
Right. It's it's not that they're as widespread as you think. It's just, you know, environmental factors and, you know, location. <laughs> I you and I love you both at the same time. <laughs> See, we're, a, we're I hate a, it when he's right. We're a Delta yes, right. here. So everywhere we go, we just hop on Delta and it's super convenient. And it's you could have had that, but you moved. Probably not the best. I did. Well, the problem the, 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 the problem I have with Delta is every single time I have ever flown with Delta, they have lost my guns. And I mean, every single time I have flown with Delta, they have lost my guns. Air tags in your luggage. Put air tags in your luggage. You will know when your bag is on the plane and if it made it to the plane with you. Like before you board, you'll know if the bag is in your vicinity. And if it's not, you can do something about it. And you can also know where it is if it doesn't make it with you. And that make sure that those guns didn't go home with something. Yeah. Cheap, cheap insurance. Just so glad Tim, I'm if not there the was... only Southwest oh. guy. I didn't know <laughs> you were a Southwest traveler. I am. My fellow Greyhound of the Sky brother. <laughs> I, uh, I got to tell you, it reminded me of something like, Bulky and I did this like little security gig and we had to fly to San Francisco out of Dallas. And I got on an American airlines jet. Like I'd never been on one. I just, I had a seat number and the seats were like leather and reclined. It was like was a like, palace. Oh, it was, it was, <laughs> I don't know gosh. if I would go as far as calling American airlines a palace. Come compared on. To some, compared to some. <laughs> compared to the, compared to the flying dumpster fire, it wasn't bad. <laughs> so oh. tim if there was one thing that you could address that you could help people understand what would it be as far as air travel would be concerned uh, the uh, one stay thing the for fuck, sure. stay the fuck out of his way yes <laughs> yeah i, I like your I, right, i'll see Joe. one that's right <laughs> mad midget coming through god damn it <laughs> no I honestly, I think the my biggest pet peeve is just people that choose an aisle seat. Now, granted, right? This, this is, and it doesn't matter whether you've got assigned seats or whether you've got the freedom to choose a seat, like with Southwest. But if you get assigned or choose, and in your boarding process, you're in an aisle seat, don't buckle up when you know the middle <laughs> and the window seat are open, and you know it's going to be a full flight because the gate agent has set it. 14 times in the last five minutes that this is a sold out flight. Don't sit your happy ass down in the damned aisle seat and buckle your ass in and expect to get comfortable knowing that there's going to be two other people that are going to have to either climb over your ass or ask you to get up and move and then feel like you were completely inconvenienced by the fact that you were sitting in the aisle seat and had to get up two times to allow the middle and the aisles or the middle and the window seat to be occupied. Just get your happy ass up, get it the F out of the way, and let the two other people sit in the seats like they need to. Now, if you're a window seat, get in, make yourself comfortable, put your shit in the overhead, put your other shit underneath the seat in front of you, buckle up and sit down and shut up. And I don't I'm imagining you doing the, the flight announcement like the stewardess. And in between the bit about putting the mask over your face and how to adjust the buckle, you're like, sit down and shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's great. It might be a little rude, a little condescending, but 
It gets yeah. the point across, right? Some people deserve it. They need to hear it. it yes, they do. They don't yes, hear it enough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that's one of my grievances. And so if you want to read more of these, you need to follow Tim on Facebook because he posts <laughs> these regularly and there it's good insight. It's generally it is. I'm not the only one to post these things though either. So sometimes Jedi posts some pretty good ones. And I do know that Craig Douglas posts some really good ones as well. And I generally try to tag both of them in it. And then, of course, then it turns into a flex off between Craig and Scott because they're like, well, why the hell are you flying the Greyhound bus lines of the air? And you should be flying first class, man. That's how you flex. And I'm like, well, because it is what it is. But because I'm not wearing an ascot, Doug. Right. Douglas. You know, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> John I'm, or I'm tempted Sarah. to create a YouTube channel or a TikTok channel that is just about like air travel and funny shit that I see in air travel over the next year. I think that'd be kind of fun. And it, it might get some followers. It's not gun related stuff. If you're going to do a TikTok, the TikTok has to be you saying out loud, loudly, these things to the person in front of you as it's happening. Oh, you're so <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, just sort of like, that would be amazing. I, I imagine oh. the camera kind of like pointed up at someone, you know, <laughs> Tim's walking up to them and the camera's like <laughs> right about here. And he's like, get the fuck away from the carousel right now. And that person looks around like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it is just the middle of December. We've got a couple of weeks to come up with a great TikTok channel for that. John, you're on to something. Yeah, like he does just that. saying the quiet part out loud oh. to other air passengers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so John and Sarah, do you guys have one that you want to share? Uh, at at this point, what you can do in post is edit in the the uh, earlier conversation, the pre-show conversation we, we do had that. We could about do that. Um, shit posting for clout. Sure, but yeah, shit posting for clout. There's a lot more people here who might have something to say about that now, though. Like Joe Chambers has nothing to say about that <laughs> or the groups involved. Man. So I'm in a couple of those groups like the DFC and the gun bullying group and all these things. And nobody ever wants to challenge me probably cause I got a rifle pistol set worth $50,000 sitting out in my open shop office. Like it's worth nothing. Uh, and I have a Chinese dot on it, but I do what I do find interesting <laughs> Right. What I do find interesting about those those groups as a whole is how much money people are willing to spend on something that the majority of us think is a piece of garbage. Uh, I mean, there and there's there's some cool stuff, right? There's a guy that every once in a while he whips it out, and lays it on the table. He owns the upper that killed Osama bin Laden. All right, bro. That's fucking cool, right? My homie Taylor, he owns three tanks. Okay, that's cool. I wish I owned a tank. Just one. I just want one tank, and he owns three. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff's kind of cool. But 
these dudes will, they will literally spend, I don't know, they'll spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of time to find the right gas block for this clone gun of this model that was carried in GWAT in 2003 by one unit. It's like, man, get the fuck out of here. I don't mean shit. It's like, so, it's like, dude, you could have got, you know, for that time and money, you could have got like skills. Right. Yeah. You could have gone and taken a class with somebody like Tim and actually learned how to shoot the damn gun. So no, I don't, I mean, I sit there in those groups and I, and I watch well, maybe pistols. Yes, but not rifles. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, not with me anyhow, <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? I, mean, I do exactly what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny, but it is what it is, but yeah, no, I got lots of grievances. I got all of them. I'm full of grievances. Uh, I guess I could start with, uh, metal frames for wide bodies. Oh, let's talk about it. Come on, you plastic grip building some bitch, you. <laughs> I remember talk that. About it, you sawed off little motherfucker. <laughs> just, just yesterday, I had a friend and client of mine send me a picture of a frame that had the front tab tore off of it. And he said, hey, have you ever seen this before? I said, yeah, I see it all the time. That's the that's one of one of many reasons we don't use metal grip frames on 2011s on 2019s because if they're not fit exactly precisely right it'll tear the front tab off the off the frame and now you've got a hole completely through the frame you would be better off to leave the fucking screw out of the front of the trigger guard altogether and just shoot the gun you're not going to hurt the gun by leaving the screw out of the front of the trigger guard Right. At least you're not going to break your frame and have a hole in the bottom of it now where debris can come out, where blasts can come out, where all the garbage. So that's not reason number one. We don't use those. Reason number two, they cost seven hundred fucking dollars. OK, people already complain that my guns are too expensive as it is. Right. Especially when they come with plastic, plastic grips. You want me to add a thousand dollar grip to the sun, bitch. OK, number three. You get more recoil impulse with a metal grip. I don't give a damn what you think, what who you are, what you say. I shoot more rounds through a pistol than everybody else on this panel. Guaranteed. Per year. Last year, I shot 75,000 rounds through pistols. You win. Tim? You might have me this beat this year with 75,000 rounds. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I shoot an ass load of pistols. And I'm telling you, the recoil impulse in a steel frame 2011 is much more felt in the hands over a long-term period than a plastic grip. Bottom line, it is. Next reason, because you can't get textures that are super, super, super aggressive very easily. You can texture the metal grip. You can, you, you know, you can retexture it. You can stipple it. You can do all kinds of shit to it. You can put grip tape on it. Well, what's the point of putting grip tape on it? Now you got a slippery, slimy mess when you put oil on it. It leaks all over the place. Not to hell with those metal grips. I'm going to stick with the plastic grips. They work. They perform. They last a long time. When you get tired of it, it costs 150 bucks to change it. You can do, as, as John has been showing, as J-Ray's been showing off the last few days, you can do all kinds of Cerakote and cool stippling and laser stippling and all kinds of cool shit with them. So 
I might, I, I was teasing with the guys this week. I said, you know, maybe I'll do a, a, a metal frame grip gun. If I could find somebody to make one without the fucking front hole, maybe I would make one. And I've just put it up there for like $20,000 and see what people say. <laughs> now I, like, I will say I've got an aluminum, I've got an aluminum grip on my, on my limited gun, my 2011 gun. And now granted it was like pulling teeth to get Nighthawk to do something beyond their, like, they their suck. like what their typical, like dimpled grip is. So it's got, it's got something more uh, akin to say, like kind of like the PT, like the Phoenix Trinity uh, medium or heavy, uh, like super aggressive grip. Now, I mean, when I say it digs into the hands, it digs into the hands. There's a lot of people that have gripped that gun and been like, ooh, I don't know if I like that because it is super aggressive. Um, but I, I do like, I, I, I personally, I do like that particular pistol a lot. And the more I shoot it, even the more I, I tend to fall in love with it even over and over again. Um, and I kind of felt like opposite a little bit, like polymer grips. I've never been able to find a stippling that has worked as aggressive as this particular grip is. Now the granted, the, the big part, like with Nighthawk is they will not even showcase the gun that they have built me like in their social media, because they're like, we don't want anybody knowing that we did this grip for you because it is something that we're doing basically as a prototype for you. We don't know how well this would sell. And I'm like, guys, are you kidding me? Like this would sell amazingly, even more so than your regular dimpled grip is because of the fact that it gives you, it gives you more grip purchase and more texture on the gun. But I, I, I think there's, I don't know, again, it's big company protecting assets. I, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what the deal is or why they don't want to go with something super aggressive. I mean, you've seen plenty of like infinity and Atlas and, and race gun worthy grips. Right. And the textures on those and whether they be steel or aluminum are pretty damned aggressive um, you no, know, to the point where some they, of them are just downright painful to shoot because of the fact that they're overly aggressive. But that's the problem there. They get slippery because people don't want to hold on to them. Right. Right. Whereas a whereas a polymer grip, and I don't know if you felt one of the polymer grips that we stipple in house, but the <clears> polymer <throat> grips that we do in house, there there ain't no getting slippery on them some bitches. They're they're I've, solid. I've not gotten to. Hopefully the next time Steve comes through town here, he'll uh, he'll stop by and and I'll be able to play around with a with a good polymer grip gun. I I I've not. I honestly I can't remember the honestly the last polymer grip twenty eleven because. In competitive circles, it seems like plastic grips kind of, kind of fell by the wayside as soon as um, a couple, two or three different steel frame or steel grip, you know, variants were available. And then everybody went from a 2011 that weighed about 47 to you know 46 to 48 ounces to now these behemoths that weigh like 56 to 58 ounces, which to me become like really hard to kind of lug around or swing around, you know, well, and that's, that's, that's another reason that we don't use them. Probably I would say one third of all of our sales of fat WMGs are to law enforcement or military guys. <clears throat> you know what they want less that what they want less of weight. Well, yeah, less weight, especially hanging on their fucking hip. I can get right. It. Cause these, these guys are carrying this gun. They got three to five mags, you know, sure. and you know, they don't, they don't want, 
they don't want all that damn weight. The only person that I built a, we built a 2019 for that hasn't complained about the weight is a pair of guy who carries it in a chest rig, right? He's got it right up front and he's like, I don't really care about the weight. All right, cool. But all the, all the police officers that we've done guns for, they're like, oh man, the weight is an issue. Well, all right. Yeah. Plastic grip it is, you know? And if plastic grips were so bad, Glock would have made them with metal grips. Blasphemy. Blasphemy, you say. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just saying. Nope, but, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I the, just I just like to poke the bear. Yeah, I know. It's cool, man. It's cool. I mean, I like I like guns with barrel fit. I wish most companies like Nighthawk could figure out that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they know. I got a I got a Fowler V9 in. I just did a review on my Patreon that launched tonight. The term the term rattleability, that's where that came from. <laughs> so Sarah, I'm 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 kind of wanting to have you go very the very last just so you have to stay. But I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got a dip. Um okay. So this is a, this is a real life story. This happened <laughs> the other day, uh, in one of the groups I'm in, somebody posted, um, this lady posted, Hey, I need to find a universal holster for my guns. And I need one holster. That's going to fit all of them. It's really important. Okay. It's called a lanyard loop. <laughs> so like, most of the comments went as you would expect. Right. And, um, but I was actually really impressed that in this like gen pop like normie group that there were a ton of comments like don't get a soft holster make sure it has trigger protection like all of the like good basic stuff it was great uh and her response to this was to get really offended because she's not made of money and one holster has to work for all of the guns and i'm like well, okay well what are the guns and it's like a hellcat a p365 uh, Caleb, what is the Taurus that is the same size as a P365? The G3 Compact is ballpark-ish. And, and that. Very popular. And it, was, and it was one more. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. And, yeah, and like it was like the, those were the guns. And I'm like, wait a minute. Those are the same gun. Just pick one that you want to carry and invest in a quality holster for that one instead of trying to find a universal that's going to fit all four of them poorly. Like, this is the kind of thing where, so I guess my grievance is false economy. That's the kind of thing. Or carry rotations. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and carry rotations. <laughs> like, those are the same gun. I understand if you have a gun that works well in summer clothes and a bigger one in the winter when you're wearing bigger, you know, hoodies and stuff. That makes sense. But you've got four guns that are all the same size and the same basic operation. Like, the, there's no point to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can afford generic guns, but can't afford holsters for all of them. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And and I guess the follow-on point there is, like, people really tend to look for false economy by looking for, well, I want this because it works with everything I own. And like alien gears is really notorious for this. 
um, they market that as a benefit. So then in the customer's mind, that anchors that feature as a benefit. So then when they look at other holsters, they ask, well, is it going to fit this and this and this? Because, you know, the Alia gear does. That's a, that's a you know, mark that in the pros category. Uh, and if it doesn't fit all my guns, mark that in the cons category. But like that kind of stuff is just, it's false economy and it ends up costing that person more in the long run, which is what Alien Gear wants because they want to sell you more crap. So anyways, I guess that's it. It's not really, whatever. It is what it is. That's a good insight though. It's human nature. And there's a similar thing that happens um, in our product line where uh, people want the one that is the most adjustable, even though that's not the best fit for their needs, but it's adjustable. And isn't that, you know, isn't that better? Like, yeah, have it, you know, if all else is equal, having something adjustable is generally good, um, but that doesn't make it better than something specific that fits your needs perfectly. But I don't know. I understand why people get to that point because they don't know what their needs are and they don't know what's going to fit. Uh, so they want to keep their options open. It makes sense from the customer perspective, but it's something that can be solved with research and planning. Um, and you can avoid the whole big box of holsters you don't like. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to mention, I think everyone kind of goes on a journey to some respect, which is where the box of holsters and the box of gear and stuff like that comes from. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of from the perspective of, of reloading, you know, I tried half a dozen ways to, you know, swage and trim rifle brass before I just said, screw it and bought a 1050 and bought a trimmer that goes on it and everything. I probably spent way more money than I needed to trying to do, this manual trimmer, this trimmer that goes in a drill, this trimmer that does this, this swager that, you know, you have to cut them. And then I got the, you know, the Dylan one at a time swager thing. If I would have just gone all in and done it right the first time, I would have spent a lot less money. However, you know, there's, I guess, value in the journey and value in learning stuff like that. And then you can advise people not to do what you did. And then they immediately do the exact same thing and then and get to the place you are later. That's yeah, the problem that's is that they, they don't learn from your mistakes. You can make all of the mistakes and buy all of the shitty holsters and all of the dumb everything and post a uh, thousand page, you know, articles about it on the internet. And they're still going to do the dumb thing because they have to learn for themselves. Like we have to touch the hot stove to know it's hot. Like, like yeah. I can tell you, Hey, don't buy this gun. Don't buy this holster. Don't do that a hundred thousand times. And you're still going to be like, but what if, and the exception, that's a good and, point. So, so Nate's point I think was good. Like, so he went on this journey to solve a specific problem. And the whole time he was doing that, there was some dude on YouTube telling you exactly how to get from point A to point B, but nobody was listening to that dude <laughs> and they never will. Because, uh, you know, there's people in that dude's comment section saying, oh, you only think that because you're a shill for point B. And right. like, but it's, also, is it is it a pride and ego thing or or is it just like it's this human nature of like, I must learn this on my own, regardless of how many people have experienced something different that may be different than what I might experience. You know, it's it, I, I know it's that's the struggle I think all of us have 
trying to be, dare I even say, God, I hate to use this phrase, subject matter experts, <laughs> right? Like the only reason we got that expertise and I say we, I, 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 you know what I mean? It, like it just is a, like the only way we've got that expertise is because we had to learn from trial and error. And we're trying to save other people from having to learn from the same trial and error we did. And no matter what, just like Caleb said, like, oh, the stove's hot. Let me touch it. I don't believe you yet. Like, like, is it is it an ego thing? Is it a pride thing? Like, what is it? Yeah, well, it's sometimes yeah. it's suspicion. What I want to like know is for this gal that doesn't want to buy a holster for various guns, how many purses does she own? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm serious. You're right. Because I hear this, I hear this crap all the time, right, Sarah? Oh, I can't buy a holster for this gun because I already got one for that gun and I want it to fit. Well, how many purses do you own? You own 72 purses. You don't you don't want to buy three holsters? Get real. Oh, it's always going to be a priority thing. I mean, for a while, I drove a truck that when I put any firearm in it, it immediately doubled in value. You know, it just depends on what you want to, you know, what you want to spend your time and money on. You I mean, speak I, in my language. <laughs> one, I mean, one of the one of the jokes I would make about like when we started doing NFA stuff at the at the range I worked at was, you know, you'd tell someone about, you know, here's how you get a silencer here. We can you know talk about some options and then. You know, you're going to have to pay this $200 tax, you know, stamp, you know, tax, whatever. Like, oh, you know, I just, I can't, you know, I can't see doing that. And then, you know, he kind of storms out and goes and drives off in his Ford Raptor. You know, it's just, you know, where you want to allocate your time and money. You know, I was it's, not, it's not good or bad. You know, everyone's kind of got their priorities, you know. I was, and, I was, you know, sometimes we, we talk past each other because our priorities are so different in that way. You know, we wouldn't hesitate to drop, you know, however many hundreds, thousands of dollars on some gun item. But then we would immediately think someone was crazy for spending that amount of money on, I don't know, whatever it is, clothes, shoes, car part, you know, whatever, you know, somebody's fancy is, you know, that's probably where we got to get a lot of that talking back and forth or past each other. You know, I, I don't think twice about buying an Enigma setup. I mean, I, you know, I love it. I wear it all the time, but that's a lot of money for somebody who doesn't really have that same perspective, I guess. I was just ragging on Tim for, not flying first class enough. And this is the part of a conversation relevant to priorities where I ask him to guess how old my underwear is. <laughs> okay, you can't make fun of Tim that much for not flying first class because he, what you can make fun of him for though is choosing to fly Southwest Airlines versus like an actual big boy airline that has a first class hey, cabin on hey, it Caleb, where they can you know that we were just doing that in fact <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic <laughs> dirty i'm whore. so glad that i showed up late so i could get that one in well i i i i have to choose southwest because i live in fucking albuquerque new mexico that is right. true. I flew into Albuquerque right. once on a real airline, and it was the whole airport was Southwest, 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 and then there was one gate for Delta and Precis fucking one gate for American. Precisely. And I was like, Precis where am I? Why are there so many gross pores yeah. here? It's called Welcome to New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I fly. I fly Southwest too, Tim. So don't feel bad. Yeah, you're Delta. Overpriced with plastic grips. I also I also <laughs> live in the middle of nowhere, so 
I fly, I fly what I can get, man. I fly I'm, as I'm glad, as I can I'm get. glad you get me, Joe. I'm yeah. glad you get me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe flies <laughs> Southwest because they'll, they'll let him smoke his pipe on the plane because they're too busy narcanning the other <laughs> no no that's spirit because they're taking off in the middle of an actual tornado warning so they don't really care what else is going on on the plane because they're like tornado schmornado it's a real thing that happened you can look that up a spirit to, airlines flight yep. took off during a tornado warning absolutely we can beat a tornado in a plane they're way faster <laughs> They said Look, I, to the ATC that it was a ground hold, not an air hold. I used, I used to fly this little airline out of Grand Island called Frontier Airlines. Oh, I've flown some Frontier flights. Oh, man. I mean, they bring you in in a blizzard sideways and just skip off the runway all the way to the end. I flew some I flew some real shitty when I lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I flew some real shitty puddle jumpers in and out of that airport because sometimes that was the only thing. But on the airline conversation, shout out to Alaska Airlines because they will let you take 50 pounds of ammunition in your checked luggage. Bro, hello, exactly, right? Noted. Yeah, I used to, I flew Alaska one year. I took the most fucked up route that I ever took in my life, but I was going to Bianchi Cup and I had 5,000 rounds of practice ammo in my checked luggage. And Alaska was like, okay, have a great day. Alaska is awesome. If you live no. in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. Alaska is great. If you live anywhere beyond the Pacific Northwest, you can go fuck Alaska yourself. Alaska is just never exactly. Alaska is just it's just not in your wheelhouse of selections of uh, of air travel. No, I should caveat that I lived in Seattle at the time, so like it was real, real easy to get on a Alaska flight. Well, Caleb's got Joe uh, uh, fifty pounds of ammo and. Uh, the guy next to him has a quartered elk in his carry <laughs> Joe, the reason that Frontier has to land in all sorts of weather is they only have enough fuel to do the flight exactly as written. Like they can't go around again. No, no bullshit. I was coming back from Vegas one year, and we we're coming into Grand Island on Frontier, and the the pilot she got online, she got on, and she said. Uh, you know, the weather's really bad. We may have to land in Wichita. And I thought to myself, do we have enough fuel to make it to Wichita? <laughs> <laughs> the pilot comes on. It's like, hi, this is your, your, your captain speaking. Does anyone happen to have any jet fuel? Right. <laughs> okay. Joe, you, no, you just... only let me carry two pounds of ammo. How would I have jet fuel? <laughs> Joe, I didn't know you were in Grand Island. That makes sense that you have to fly Frontier. I've been to Grand Island twice, both times for matches. And I flew into Omaha and drove because the trying to get a flight into Grand Island. I'm I your joke about I'd fly a Cessna, I pert near had to just rent my own plane. Yeah, the so I live about an hour from Grand Island, an hour east. And um Grand Island, not to bore you guys, but the whole reason Grand Island exists is because in the in the early days of Las Vegas, the mafia built an airport there to have a halfway stop between Chicago and Las Vegas. That's the only reason the whole town is there. <laughs> Are you serious? Dead serious. At least it's that a tracks. Caleb. Well, they do it. They do it. Now, Hornady's there. And I do have to admit, they do have a pretty nice range there. Yeah, they do. They have a beautiful shooting facility. I've been oh, to yeah, the, that... the matches out there are amazing. Yeah, that zombie match that they I don't know if they still have it, but that zombie three gun match that they used to or still have out in Grand Island was actually like a really fun. 
it was one of the better ways to introduce people to the uh, drudgery and soul crushing misery that is three gun, but <laughs> without the drudgery and soul crushing misery that is three gun normally. So they didn't shoot shotguns is what you're saying? No, well, okay, no, no joke. All of the shotgun, I, I shot that match twice. All of the shotgun stages had no shotgun reloads. They were like, yeah, just dump it and then you're done with shotgun because we all know we don't want to do that. Because shotgun <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, what's well, like, I mean, you, uh, you know, like I design, I design stages every week because I run a match every week. And granted, I'm not doing shotguns, but I mean, how lazy is it to put 13 clay pigeons all at seven yards away in a row and expect that to be really entertaining for people to shoot? Like, I just get it. It's about as entertaining as that Tim will remember these. It was, I don't know, know, probably 2015, 16, when basically every major USPSA match was eight, eight. It was just a raise of eight, eight, eight. Like, yes. I mean, it, it 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 was when production was the king of yep. USPSA and you could not go if section matches, area matches didn't matter. Eight, shoot eight, fucking reload, shoot eight, fucking reload. And if you were shooting anything but production, it was like, wee, never reload. And here's and Caleb was, shooting his six shot gun with eight round oh rounds, just ready to like, turn the gun around. Turn the gun around and go look for the stage designer. No, Nate, at the time, Caleb was actually shooting oh. a single stack. Yeah, that was that was actually during this my single stack era, which was not super pleasant because I was shooting major power factor. And <laughs> so it was still eight. Okay, I'm out of bullets again. Look, shooting revol- okay. So there was an article uh in a in an aviation magazine many, many years ago that I read as a child that said that described flying a jet, like a, a fighter, like a, uh, I think the guy was talking about his like personally owned MiG-21. He said when you take off, you're out of gas. And when you land, you're really out of gas. And that's shooting single stack and shooting revolver. All right. My start condition at the beginning of the stage is when limited and open people think about reloads. They're like, oh, I've only got like six or eight left at the gun. I should probably do a fucking reload here. That's my start condition. I'm already out of fucking bullets. It's a nightmare. I never even thought about that before. That is the best analogy. But that's true. <laughs> we, we if you're start, shooting a 32 round open gun and you've got and six left, it's time to reload. <laughs> Caleb, that zombie match, was that the one that they did a bunch of stages at night and stuff like that? No, that was the um, Crimson Trace Midnight 3-Gun match, which was a really grand match. That was a that was a hoot. I mean, that that took... That was one of those matches that Crimson Trace did because they loved the shooting sports at the time and they lost money on it every year, but it was so much fucking fun. Hang on. Before we go any further with awesome Crips and Trace three gun matches and everything else, let's talk very briefly about Tom Kelly's magnificent muscle. It's amazing. You know what makes that Always is. more amazing, Tom? If you would release that fucking 856 holster. <laughs> Dude, I got fucking tracking for you, so shut up. <laughs> yeah. I I have a camera on my front porch, so when the guy shows up to deliver it, I'll know it's here. And yet, it is not here. You did the SP. We sell more 856s than they sell SP1. This is a grievance. This is a grievance with Tom. This isn't my grievance, but this is a grievance with Tom specifically. We sell more 856s in two months than Ruger sells SP-101s in half of a year. Why are you going to drop the SP-101 before the 856, huh? I see the I numbers. Also tr- 
I also did the K6S. Yeah. I've had more, I've had, hold on. Since, since I announced those two, I've had more inquiries for Taurus than I have for the shit that I released. Weird. (laughs) It's almost like we sell more guns than those guys. I had to to get those two out. You have no idea how much shit has been queued up. So to get those out has been monumental. I do have a small idea. And for people watching this, like behind the scenes, Tom and I have actually been talking, but I couldn't resist this opportunity to like put them on blast on public. Um, You know, so. I'd just like to get an 856. How does one buy one of these? Just oh, you fucking just send Caleb and he sends yeah, them to you. you. You send me an email and when she, do you want a three inch with night sights or do you want like a bobbed hammer? Fucking send me an email. I am the eight fifty six purveyor. Joe you, pr- Joe, you probably don't want one. They've all got metal grips on them. There's no plastic grip. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait, wait a minute. No, they don't. I'm like, hold on, that's not even true. They mostly have either G tens or wood, or we can get them with sweet lasers. Um, but no, for real. I will say I have a client that got one and he came out here and we were shooting it or trying to. And I called Brett and I said, yo dog, revolver's supposed to go bang, 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 bang. Right. He goes, yeah. I says, can I send this to you? He goes, yeah. I sent it in a week later. My client had it back spot. So Kudos to you guys for for making that a good gun that works and figuring out the issues. No joke. The the biggest difference, and this is this is like me doing my job. The biggest difference between Miami Taurus and Bainbridge Taurus is the two big okay two big differences. One is initial quality control, but the one that really matters to people because a lot of our consumers are at sort of like the wide end of the gun owner curve, right? So they're more likely to take a gun back to their gun shop and say, this gun is fucked up versus someone who gets a fucked up Glock 48, who's just going to go on Brownells and buy the parts to fix it themselves. Our biggest difference is the turnaround time on those repairs, right? Like I talk to our repairs manager at least once a week, just to be like, Hey, how are we doing? What's our, you know, percentage of guns produced within the last year versus guns produced in prior eras and stuff like that. And, you know, we're in the Miami era, it could be three months before you got your gun back. If we have a gun that's there for more than two weeks, there's something fun if we have a gun that's there for more than two weeks there's just something fundamentally broken in the gun or we just don't have a part and that's that's the one thing i can't control is getting this the 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 wonderful and talented and very smart brazilians to make the parts that i need according to my timetables well you guys every one of those that i've seen has has been a nice pistol yeah the a56 is uh, like i i i i i love the a56 like I, I don't, and I'm very honest with people. I don't know everything about all our lines because I won't be like, hey, this line is good until I've had trigger time on it. But I've got enough trigger time on the 856s to be like, yeah, go buy one of those. You'll be fine. And if you're not, we'll fix it in a week and it'll be back. Well, and we were talking the other night, Matt and I, about guns that I wish I wouldn't have sold. I had a, back in the day, way back in the day, the 90s, I had a Model 85. It was polished blued steel with porter barrel and gold accents and rosewood grips and i I should have never sold that gun dude that was a great great gun but i was at a gun show and a guy wanted to buy it and i was like fuck it i'll sell it and i've never been able to find one since so maybe the a56 will take the place 
Well, and it's because we discontinued the 85 in favor yeah. of the A56. We said one more bullet is one more better. So, which a lot of people seem to agree with. Um, yeah. So I actually got a legit kind of grievance about this. Uh, Taurus was a good stand, good point for it. Uh, and it's something kind of as, you know, I've tried to put a little bit of my company behind it. So we go and, and this is like this, the whole community, we like to hold all these other companies to standards that they don't give a fuck about. Uh, you know, random gun, gun company X doesn't give a shit about uh, PNS because if we weren't their customer, like we're not to begin with and whatever, you know, they'll never know because we're a relatively small percentage. But whenever they go and they take action to eventually meet what our standards are and you know, we don't even at least take a look at it or consider that things might be better. Um, I think we kind of got a problem. So as, as far as like, you know, Taurus goes with all the stuff that they've been doing. Um, another one that's been, you know, big for me is IDPA. You know, how many people bitched and bitched and bitched about IDPA not allowing appendix carry and, and now they do it. So I think if we want our criticisms to mean something, you know, maybe we ought to go and, you know, at least, at least go play an IDPA match, go spend four hours to shoot hundred pounds. Yeah. I, I should also point out re IDPA that everyone who's like, oh, why can't I shoot my staccato with a dot in USPSA? Well, you can in IDPA, my friend. They allowed that shit from the get go. So, um, and I have I, you know, I, I I've had a very long relationship with IDPA, including being paid by them at various times. And I have had some very significant grievances with the way IDPA has run their organization at times as well. But I will say this, uh, the current iteration of IDPA is actually better at doing creative fun shit than USPSA. I'm not saying maybe more technically difficult shooting challenges, which is a beef I have with USPSA, but like, if you want to like shoot out of a car or, you know, have to like carry a weight over your shoulder and shoot strong hand only or something like that go to a major idpa match they will create have a complex scenario that you'll be like like i shot an idpa match where i had to shoot a moving target as it passed through a bus window and if i hit the bus itself i would have gotten dq'd so believe me the pressure on like i don't want to get dq'd i really want to make this shot it's pretty high um idpa has some words but it's, it's a hell of a lot more accessible too and it used to be a lot, and it's, and in my opinion, the, I will say this, I think for the, honestly, for my customer, like for the people that are buying 856s and Model 82s and G3s and stuff like that, it's going to be more fun. They're going to be able to show up and they're going to be like, oh, I got to throw a pig into a pen or whatever and do all of that. Yeah, they're going to have more fun doing it than shooting a USPSA match. But that's, you know, say- for my... I, for, I will, for my I customer, I will, I will agree. I do like I, me and Caleb, you know, me being primarily yeah. an, a USPSA guy, but I will say like, I get to dip my toe in the water with IDPA, you know, a, a little bit, especially depending on like what classes I'm teaching around, what kind of demographic. And some of the IDPA matches are a lot of fun. Like you get really good IDPA stage, uh, like stage designers and match directors that really care about like giving the people a quality product. And it is fun. And it is a great, like truly it is a great intro for competition shooting for, I say the overwhelming majority of 
of shooters that want to dip a toe in the water. Well, and Tim, wouldn't you say though that like a bad USPSA match is just as bad as a bad ITPA match? Because you and I have both, because we've all been to the matches where it's in. I mentioned this earlier, where it's eight eight eight, or it's just it's all kind of the same thing, and there's or it's, no yeah, it's all hoser stuff, or yeah. it's all long distance stuff, and you're like, who designed this? Right. right. There's no creativity of stages. Like I love a. I've been to some USPSA matches where I did the same thing on eight different stages for 32 right. rounds each time. And I left and I was like, that fucking sucked. And I've done that on IDPA matches too, where I did the same thing at eight different stages for 18 rounds a stage. And the only difference was I shot less ammo at the IDPA match. <laughs> yes. But, You're right. you know, and, but then you go same to amount of time. Classic. Yeah. And it, oh yeah, it took the same fucking chunk of my day regardless, but like you go to a USPSA match where there's a good mix of stages and there's balance and the same thing with IDPA with, you know, short, medium, long, and like, you know, complex shooting situations, stuff like that. So, I mean, I I've had this opinion for a long time, the sport that you're shooting necessarily for USPSA versus IDPA doesn't matter. What matters is the culture of the club that's putting that, that match on. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Like I've saw some really shitty club matches in USPSA where I was like, I don't want to ever come back here and shoot this match again. I've also saw some pretty shitty IDPA club matches where I was like, what were you thinking? But I've also shot some really great club matches that actually did both. Um, mm-hmm. that, that were like, man, this is really interesting. Like, and, and honestly me being primarily a USPSA guy where like it really kind of lit the fire under me to want to shoot some IDPA because of maybe a particular club or the culture of that particular club. And like, again, the kind of the demographic shooter that they're trying to reach or the challenges that they present that were like, dude, I've never seen this even in, in USPSA. I'm down with this. Like this, this would be a lot of fun. Like even if I'd never found USPSA, I'd be in the shooting sports because clubs like that exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a good cl- and I mean that's you know a good club is a good club. It doesn't matter if they're doing USPSA or IDPA or their own outlaw you know two gun whatever match. Okay. But that's I mean that's the I mean, you know as a side beef that's the sort of that's the worst thing about the shooting sports, regardless of which sport it is. And uh, watch. <laughs> okay, funny story about this. So I said this in a video about uspsa but it applies to every shooting sport and i said the best thing about uspsa is that everyone can participate in at any level that they want to whether it's just a shooter all the way up to the chief range officer the worst thing about uspsa is that everyone can participate at whatever level they want to whether it's just as a shooter all the way up to a chief range officer so fast forward like three weeks later, I'm at this random match in Florida because I was down there for a TDY and I was like, I'll go shoot a match. And the match director quotes me in his brief about trying to get more volunteers to come out and shoot the things. And I'm like, I'm standing right over here. And he goes, also, Caleb, I know you signed up for this match. That's why I did that. I was like, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's not wrong, though. It's the best and the worst thing about our sport. So I have a grievance. Uh, Let's hear it. People being so focused on these tiers, these lists of guns when it doesn't exist. I had an awesome conversation with Joe, and I'm glad Caleb's here for this also. 
we were talking about companies that are breaking out of their, their prior stigma, Taurus being one of them, Rock Island being one, and how exciting that is to see companies doing that. And when you bring it to the masses, it's immediately shot down and, oh, it's bullshit. Oh, they're, they're, it's pieces of shit. Is it? Because your favorite Wait brand. Wait a second. Yeah. Did you just curse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pause, everybody. <laughs> Matt just used yeah. a curse. <laughs> it happens on occasion. Um, but tomorrow, your favorite brand, your, your bulletproof brand can be, can drop the biggest piece of shit. Joe, or they can this just is, completely. This is tank. as wild as we're going to see Matt. So That's enjoy right. him totally unhinged. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm drinking it up. Um, gonna, you drinking tonight? What's going yes, on here? Yes, but no. The idea, though, that yeah, this is my brand is is flawless, and nothing else can touch it. Everything can change tomorrow. The the balance of power can change, and and people need to stop completely investing in these silly tiers of products and and go for understand these are what the standards are these are what we're looking for and go after that not after a specific brand i have so many examples of that yeah i have even a related beef to that but go ahead show well i mean one example i'll give you guys one example you know early on in my gun owning career i was not an ar guy right and wow john you're sideways as hell um <laughs> nice buck though and so you know what i wanted a specific i'm not going to name the brand name of the company that i but i wanted a specific ar upper it was very expensive at the time and um i just had to have it and i was at the i couldn't afford it so i bought a psa uh hammer forge stainless upper went to the range with a buddy of mine who owned the upper that I wanted. We shot them both side by side, scoped. I shot both of them side by side, scoped at a hundred yards and a damn PSA outshot this high dollar upper that I wanted. Now there were advantages absolutely to the high dollar upper, un unequivocally, you know, it had a better bolt carrier group, you know, it had better furniture, probably had a better quality upper. I don't know. But the point being the barrel was what mattered to me. How good does the gun shoot? And in the 1911 world, my God, I see it on a weekly basis with the 1911 University. You know, sometimes I get guns in that from a company that are absolutely fabulous. And then the next one I have come in from that same company is hot garbage. And people want to roast you over giving them the math on the one that was hot garbage, just like you gave them the math on the one that was excellent. It's like, dude, you know, these companies, if a company's out there producing, let's say on a small scale, like, like Nighthawk, if a company's out there producing 3,500 guns a year, right? And each guy is producing a gun a day, basically. They're going to have a gun occasionally that leaves that has an issue. It's just going to happen. Oh, right? God. If you're, if you're <laughs> seriously, if you're Taurus or if you're Springfield or if you're Kimber. Or if more you're, guns you sell, the more problems you sell, no matter how good you are. Exactly. You know, and even, and I will admit this openly, even here at my shop, you know, we produce 120 guns a year. Every once in a while, every couple of years, a gun goes out, a guy has an issue with it, and I have to pay to bring it back. Doesn't happen often because we don't build that many number of guns. And I personally inspect every gun that goes out. 
but you can't take into account ammo that the guy's going to shoot. You can't take into account whatever kind of cat spit he's going to put on it when he gets it instead of using the lube that you recommend. You can't take into account, you know, I've had guys put their gun in the safe for a year when they get it, never touch it, then take it out and try to shoot it right out of the safe. And I'm like, it doesn't work. Right. So yeah, I agree with you, Matt. People need to get off that high horse of this brand or that brand or whatever and realize it's a mechanical object and everything that's a mechanical object has the potential to have a problem. That's just all there is to it. That, 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 that brings me to my actual grievance. Like the, the thing that, that, <clears throat> that I have to, so if you're listening to this and you have no idea who I am, cool. Hi, welcome to the internet. I'm Kip Giddings. I'm the marketing manager for Taurus and I have a reputation for lighting people on fire online. Uh, Matt, would you say that about covers it? What oh, you forgot about the part about Paul Harrell. I, that's a separate grievance, which really has nothing to do with him and just the god awful people that like make hit their fandom of him his identity. I still get death threats about that. It's been two and a half years. I will still occasionally get a death threat about that. But anyway, it's no, the thing that, finally figured out how to use the internet. Pretty much the thing that the thing that I did very very. Form. It's very frustrating for me. Is it's it's twofold. One, it's what Joe talked about is if you make X number of guns, Y number of those guns will be fucked up and there's nothing that you can do about it. And in the firearms industry, we have this thing called acceptable error rate. All right. And this isn't something that people talk about. Like the managing the marketing manager for a company that rhymes with Big Bauer isn't going to talk about what their acceptable error rate is. And I can't actually tell you what the number is for it, but there's like an industry standard that we've all sort of agreed on. My company is under that rate. We make more guns than almost anyone else for the domestic US market. We make so many fucking guns it is it's a stupid number of guns that we make um just as an example 856s alone we sell 50,000 of those a year that's more guns than some companies make in their entire production run right and that's just one line of one revolver so what 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 frustrates me is I don't actually care that like our guns get sent back because I understand that Taurus is is again at the we're at the wide end of the gun owner curve, right? Someone goes into a gun shop and they're like, I need a gun for self-defense and I've got like 200 bucks and the gun owner, and the gun store guy says, all right, well, here's the Taurus G3C. And I'm happy with that purchase because there's a very high statistical likelihood that that gun will perform within that user's use case envelope yep. and it will do the thing that they need it to do. Perfectly fine with that. And if it doesn't, that user is more likely to bring it back to the store and be like, my gun was fucked up. It comes back. We fix it. It goes back to them, whatever. No, but the problem is, and, and, and the beef that I have is that the, 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 the memory of aficionados in this space is so fucking stupid. So the last time, 
that Taurus made a gun that just went off on its own and shot people was like 10 years ago. And there was a great big lawsuit about that. And there was a class action settlement. And it's actually on our website. I'm not like talking out of school or anything like that. If you scroll down to the bottom of it, the very, very bottom, like we're not like putting it at the top, but at the very, very bottom of the website, it's like Taurus class action lawsuit. You, you can fucking read about it. And you know what we did with that gun? We launched it into the fucking sun. All right. We deleted the Taurus Millennium from existence. We deleted the, des I mean, we still have all the design specs, but like that gun doesn't exist. The DNA of that gun doesn't live on in any of our other products. And yet, I still have to deal with people being like, oh, well, Tauruses go off and shoot people, despite the fact that we haven't made a gun that's done that in the last 10 years. And that wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the fact that there's also a gun on the market made by a company that rhymes with Dig Dower that does go off and fuck shoot people. And I have to deal with their fucking fanboys yeah. telling me how great their fucking gun is. And oh, I never bought a tourist. I trust my life to a blah, 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 blah. And that shit. That would be bad enough to piss me off if I was just a marketing manager, but I also have to deal with that product in my other professional capacity. Oh my God. And uh, I, I got to make sure that Bruce Gray is not like hiding in the bushes because he gets <laughs> mad at me every time I talk about this, but, and I love Bruce. He's a great guy, but like, it's, it's fucking maddening how this one company has on the backs of really, really cool guns, like the P226, which absolutely fucks hard, and the 229s, you know, basically the P-series guns, um, the underappreciated classic, which was also the father of the gun I hate, the P320, or not, sorry, that's the one I hate. The P250, I love. I hate the 320. Very honest about that. Um, the, the P250 was a brilliant gun that didn't get the love it deserved, but like, this company bought all of this goodwill by making guns that really, really were cool. And then it makes a gun that's based on my professional experience with it is somewhat underwhelming. And yet I still have to have these fanboys tell me that my products are shit, even though our guns don't shoot people like, well, I mean, they do. That's a whole different problem. Just I not on their own. Product line. Yeah, they're not, not on their own, right? Like I can throw, I have a G3C in my closet. I'll load it and throw it across the room. I mean, not right now. My kid's asleep. That'd probably wake him up. But, and it's, and like, the, I, I, I have to, I, I really want to be careful because I'm not trying, like, I'm not trying to shit on SIG. I think SIG makes some really great guns. I think that there are some iterations of the 320 that are really, really good. This isn't a SIG problem, despite the fact that I hate the M18 with all of the fires of Mordor. Uh, this is a problem with SIG fans. And it's really a problem with gun fandom in general, where... I'm a fan of the SIG 320, so I can't acknowledge these documented instances of mechanical failures with this gun that I'm a fan of, because instead of being a rational person and buying a thing, I have made this thing my fucking personality. And then I'm like, hey, guys, Taurus is good. And this guy's like, no, it's not. Fuck Taurus. You know, you made the there's a video in like. 144p resolution of some guy shaking a millennium and it goes off yeah i know we acknowledge that we don't hide from that we don't 
there's if you talk to any people in leadership positions like me at Taurus, we're like, hmm, we made some fucked up guns. Like we, yeah, that was that's our bad. We're trying to not do that, uh, and we're very open about how we did that, and we're not trying to do that. So like. I'm not even asking for the benefit of the doubt here. I'm just asking for you to not say that one product is great in the same sense that you're telling me my product is turds. Okay. With the caveat that if you're saying that like, and the, the other thing that I've run into that drives me bananas is when people try to compare my $350 polymer gun to like a $1,500 or something like that. I'm like, Hey dude, we're not even, this is not even the same game here anymore. All right. You're not going to compare a uh, Kia Forte, which is an excellent economy class, affordable car that will last for a hundred thousand miles to a uh, BMW six series. These aren't even the same products. They're not for the same people. So that's, my grievance is not with the industry it's with the customers. And I just wish people were less dumb. And like, not even a lot less dumb, like a little bit less dumb. And I can see Brian over there. He's like, they're the dumbest. I hate them all. Brian has seen me fuck a 50-yard target up with a $300 Taurus that I had changed one spring on. I just am trying to wrap my head around why Tim, who shoots a Nighthawk, flies Southwest. Caleb, who shoots a Taurus, is flying first class. This, this is a parallel okay. universe. I can explain this to you, and it's a very, very simple explanation. We sell more guns in a week than Nighthawk sells all year. This is true, and that's and that's why I get a nicer airplane. Um, do I have a nicer gun? I, I you guys sure don't. More guns in a in a day than I sell all year. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean that's 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 yeah. You and know. Joe chooses to fly Southwest. Chooses chooses joe could probably at this point joe you could probably charter like a beechcraft twin air or something like that all right like actually, it's got two engines on it so when one no, fails he, he continues to live in nebraska actually brandon and i recently were talking about because he comes up here so often for work i was like dude we should just buy a plane and get a pilot's license both of us and then i could just fly to louisiana pick your ass up and you could fly me home problem solved I've actually thought about getting a plane to go to Bainbridge just because it's like a five hour drive. And if I fly right. commercial, I've got to like fly through Charlotte and then to Tallahassee and then rent a car. Oh, and that's you're going to you're going to sit on the runway at Charlotte for two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yes, you will. Well, yeah, they've got, they're, they're better. It's like 45 minutes now, but okay. there is a lot of taxi time at Charlotte, guys. Again, Charlotte that. Knows. <laughs> Taxi time is ameliorated though when you're drinking scotch and you know not paying and attention to the problems of the people that are back there on <laughs> the plane. <laughs> so interesting uh, thing, I just looked up real quick. I was curious on the uh, FAA published failure rates. Uh, a turbine engine has a failure rate of one per three hundred seventy-five thousand flight hours. A uh, piston engine has one every uh, three three thousand two hundred flight hours. So even the planes that we're flying times? in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even the planes we fly in have failure rates. I have, I, ha I have one more grief. St and, and this is for, again, for the customers. All right. So Taurus, we do all of our own metal injection molding in house. All right. It's, and it's, and I can't say how many other companies in the industry buy our metal injection molding, but it's a lot more than you think. Anyway. 
stop just a material stop complaining to me about brazilian metal injection molding because if you have been on an airplane in the last forever that airplane has had brazilian metal injection molding in it because you know who buys brazilian metal injection molding boeing airbus i mean embraers are entirely made in brazil so boeing and airbus the other two big they buy mim from brazil so there, there's a jet engine that's got a bunch of Brazilian MIM parts in it, but you're going to piss and moan in my ear about a MIM hammer on an 856? Get the entire fuck out of my face. Well, it's, <laughs> it's just a material. It's just an, it's all in how you use it, and that's that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and to that point, MIM, there's one particular firearms company in the industry that pretty much destroyed everybody's outlook on MIM parts forever when they started having them made in Pakistan. We can and, just say Kimber. Well, uh, cause I can't, you know I mean? I don't want to get trouble. Caleb um, can. I can. Caleb can. But you know, when they start making, having MIM parts made in Pakistan, India, and they're not, they're not doing quality control, you know, and for years people said I was absolutely batshit crazy when I called them out for making various major components, slides and frames out of MIM. And then years later, we find out they were doing that. And you're like, okay, well, if it's made out of quality MIM, it's not such a big deal. But if it's made out of crap that falls apart and cracks in half when you're shooting it, that's a big deal. You know, so you have them to blame for ruining it. I'll put it to you this way. When I first got into the industry in 2006, we had, when I worked at Marvels, we had samples of bull sears, hammers, disconnectors made in Israel. They were extremely high quality MEM parts. We would have used them in guns if people wouldn't have complained about them. But we couldn't use them in guns because Kimber had already ruined it for everybody. Uh, Smith & Wesson also did not help with the MEM thing when they went from like the, the transition from the really nice uh, tool steel parts in revolvers to the MIM parts was oh, yeah. very abrupt and jarring. And to your point, when they did it, they went with shitty MIM. Like their initial batch was just like, let's just buy the cheapest shit that we can to cut costs as quickly as we can. And you got hammers that cracked in half and, you know, all sorts of other terrifying things that you don't want. Bye, Timmy. Bye, Tim. I'll see you guys. I'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. So Thanks. then Thanks. some, of the, some of the original M&P parts were also uh, MIM, and they had some breakages. That was uh, part of the growing pains of the M&P when it first came out. Man, what happened to the M&P? Like, nobody is talking about that gun anymore. Talking about the new steel one a little bit. Is it steel? Uh, wait, is it steel or is it aluminum? aluminum but, <laughs> no, it's MIM. <laughs> they just mimmed an entire gun. They just, which actually, if you could do that and it worked, that'd be. What's more fragile though, Kimber Mem or frangible rounds? Kimber Mem. Okay. Kimber Mem. Kim, Kim, Kimber <laughs> Mem. Yeah. All, all that aside, Kimber Mem. All these, all these people hating on Mem are also the same people making stupid shit 3D printing in their basement. Yeah. I want a 3D, 3D printed gun, but I don't like MIM parts. Are you high? Yeah. Well, in, in the 1911 world, we deal with the same thing on single stacks. People go, well, I would never, ever have a cast frame. 
I want to, I want a bar stock frame. You do real, realize that bar stock frames crack three to one to, to forge castings, right? So why would you want a bar stock frame? That's the thing that I would love for everybody in the, like, and here's the thing saying this on a primary and secondary podcast is preaching to the choir because most of the people listening to this understand that the manufacturing process that makes a part is less important than the quality that goes into that manufacturing process. I would rather have a really high quality metal injection molded hammer than a forged hammer that was forged by a drunk guy. I would really, I would much (laughs) rather have a super high quality cast 1911 frame than a frame that was forged out of pot metal that has all sorts of goofy inclusions in it or something like that. Right. But people don't understand that because they get addicted to these words that get written on blogs and in magazines and they don't understand anything that resembles context or nuance. Cause I remember like, I don't know nearly as much about 1911s as uh, of as you or as Brian, but I know that like the Ruger cast frames are pretty good quality frames. Like in a like as a mass production product, it's not a piece of dog shit, right? Well, they they ought to be good because they've been making them since the sixties, right? I I mean, Pine Tree Foundry has been been around how long? It's forever, but people don't understand that. People don't understand that, you know, uh, I, I remember people who were like, oh, I wouldn't buy uh, a 1911 because I don't like how their frames are forged. I'm like, you know that 1911 forged frames are in a lot more guns that or Smith & Wesson 1911, sorry, Smith & Wesson forged 1911 frames end up in a lot more guns than ones that just say Smith & Wesson on the slide, right? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, where do you think all those forgings go? They don't make that many fucking guns, homie. Right. Yeah. I mean, if people realized how few number of casting and forging houses there are in the U.S. and how many of these semi-custom shops buy their stuff from South Korea, they would be blown away. Oh, well, I mean, remember when the whole Glock barrel industry was all just people buying the same barrels from South Korea yes. and then yep. rebranding them as their own thing and being like, this is the tactical wizard lake blaster barrel. And I'm like, yep. that's the same fucking barrel as this other guy. Why is yours $50 more? Who was that's it that had a shop and they had something under a tarp? And I think there might have been a couple tarps and they didn't show what was underneath, but they're like, yeah, we do our own stuff. Yeah. And as you can see, under this tarp, do not look under the tarp. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly, right. I mean, companies like Dayson have made billions of dollars off the U.S. firearms market because they make barrels, they make slides, they make frames, they make all kinds of parts, and they make them cheap, and they sell them cheap to these to these manufacturers. I mean, I, I've been approached myself by Dayson. And they said, we will make you a slide in a frame to your specifications pre-fit for $180. Now and you're like, I'm like wow. the margins though. I mean, I'm paying $250 for a slide from Caspi for, for a bar stock slide. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, wow, but how many problems am I going to have? Yeah. And then I see, you know, I've, I have measured literally thousands of guns over the past 15 years. And I see the issues that guns have that are built on those parts. I'm like, mm, 
not worth the not worth the extra two hundred and fifty bucks. Just not worth it. Long term, yeah. Because you're gonna have because every time, like for us, it's not it's not a huge deal for major manufacturers because you're gonna get the gun shipped back. It's twenty five or thirty bucks to get it back. Twenty five or thirty bucks to send it back. No big deal. For my stuff, I have to ship it FedEx next day air insured. It's one hundred seventy five bucks each way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say returns are a big deal, even for us major manufacturers. We are, you know, that's why we have, that's why every fucking gun. So as we are trying to transition more manufacturing to the United States, every fucking gun we make in the States gets actually test fired with all of the magazines that will ship with that gun, right? Hmm. Is that a lot of ammo? No. Is it more ammo than some other manufacturers do? Yeah. Which is cool. And it really has helped cut down on returns, but even for us, like a returned gun represents there's a, so, you know, I can't talk about like what we sell those guns for wholesale at, but a returned gun is a significant chunk of that gun's wholesale price that we then have to eat on the back end. Cause I'm not just talking about shipping costs because I also have to pay the repair guy that actually fixes the gun. I got to pay them I got to pay Alejandro, who's the manager of the repair department and is also awesome. Uh, he's Dodgers fan. So fuck yeah, Alejandro, but I got to pay the repair guy. I got to pay Alejandro. I got to pay the fucking shipping people to ship that gun back out. I got to pay the customer service people who took the phone call from fucking Bob, who doesn't understand why his gun works because he put, you know, plus P plus 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 reloads in it and it exploded weird, Bob. Maybe you shouldn't do things that we tell you not to do. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. if I could elim- if I could stop having to pay for guns that got fucked up because customers are dumb, uh I I millions of dollars? I don't oh, yeah. even know. I'm sure. I'm sure. And think about companies like Kimber that have more returns than you. Oh man. You, I can't you just need I, to I, notate these things down and then just come up with like a little book of just like the most entertaining returns ever. Oh, dude, we've oh, had some really dude. fun ones. You, you need to call. You need to compile them. My favorite, though. So I was in. So I was in the returns area, and I was looking through like, like the pile. So with the, there, there's a pallet, and on this pallet are just stacks of gun cases, and in these gun cases are guns that are deemed too broken to uh, send back to the customer. And what we do in that instance, so if you send us a discontinued gun and we can't fix it, we will send you a new gun of whatever we deem as an equivalent model for fucking free, right? So if you've got like, you know, the 709 Slim, right? And you blew it the fuck up because you're, you know, you did, we will send you that gun back. So anyway, there was a Taurus curve, which... Everyone in Taurus agrees this was fucked up, right? Uh, like we all agree this was a terrible idea. So there's a Taurus curve there. And the curve has this frame that's bent like this. And I pulled it out and the frame was cracked right through where it bends, like the, the concealment part. And it was like cracked so that it was almost hinging away from the concealment. A lefty was I, using it. No. A guy said he didn't like the way it fit his hand, so he took the slide off and he put it in clamp in a vice and then a clamp and was trying to bend the grip so that it would be more straight. Why not? Versus curved <laughs> and it cracked the grip right in half. And I was like, "Sir," and I, 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 I wish I could have met this person face to face because I'm like, "Sir, 
So you wanted a gun that had a He's here, it's grip, Nate. And you bought a gun that literally has curve in the name. Like the 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 name of the the way the grip is shaped is in the name of the gun. <laughs> and he was like, I don't like this curved grip. I'm gonna straighten it out. Just sounds Snap. like a regular gun with extra steps. <laughs> it, at least he was honest. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a. It was a Taurus. It would have been a Taurus seven hundred nine or whatever our shitty three eighty was that we don't make anymore, but with extra steps. Good job, dude. I just. Oh Lord. Now I do feel the need to bring up one aspect of all this Taurus talk. I personally wouldn't be on board with it had Brett not taken over, because I don't think the company would have gone in this direction. I mean, I wouldn't have taken the job if Brett and Cody weren't there. And like people have asked me about that. And the reason, like what we're doing from a marketing standpoint is we are bringing on people who are squared away because Brett wouldn't have taken the job if he didn't believe that he could change the direction of the company. Cody wouldn't have taken the job if he didn't believe in Brett's vision. I wouldn't have taken the job if I hadn't been. If they wouldn't pay you. Well, Yes. No. Yeah. That's actually a very fair statement, but they, so, okay. A, another company that I cannot name because it would cause drama offered me more money than Taurus is paying me. And I turned them down because that company is a goddamn dumpster fire and it's run by fucking idiots. Um, and with Taurus, you know, I've known, I've known Brett since he was back at Walther. Uh, he brought me in. So two years ago, he brought me and a bunch of other really smart guys in to consult on the project that would eventually become the executive grade, you know, and then when Cody came on board, Cody knows uh, Jedi and Jedi knows me. And, you know, that the commitment to hiring people who are mostly not retarded and, and actually listening to their input. And like, I'm the marketing manager. I talk to our engineers at least once a week. And it's to give them product feedback on revolver lines. I'm not just there because I'm the marketing manager. I'm also there because I'm the revolver guy. And that kind of commitment to making a product, that matters more to me than, yeah, we might send out a fucked up GX4. Sorry, you got that, homie. We'll fix it. That's not what this is about, though. I think Alex fell asleep. So a a lot of that stuff... um, and I dealt with Brett a little bit. I dealt with Cody more at Walther, but whenever Brett jumped over, it's like, oh, that's very interesting. Because I think I was actually maybe talking with, maybe chat with Matt about it. But some of the stuff that he openly said, like it, it happens in every industry. Whenever somebody gets a new CEO, uh, oh yeah, we're going to turn the company around, blah, blah, blah. We're going to, everything's going to be better. Everything's going to be better. Well, what about, you know, what about that car you guys sold that always blew up? Well, new stuff's going to be great. New stuff's going to be great. Um, Brett actually like acknowledged publicly. I I think you did the interview with him, Caleb, uh, Mm -hmm. acknowledged the reputation that Taurus has to recover from. So, you know, most of the time, everybody, yeah, somebody takes over and they, they try to, you know, they take down a wallpaper and, you know, paint some trim or whatever. And that's that they don't actually acknowledge, you know, that the foundation screwed up. Whereas, you know, Brett's actually going and like, and saying, hey, yeah, we did this. We know where we're at. We know what we got to recover from. And we know it's going to be a long, hard road. And they've seemingly started to make all the right steps. Yeah. We're not ashamed of the fact that we've made some fucked up guns. I mean, we're ashamed of it. Like, we wish we hadn't made some fucked up guns. But we acknowledge that we made some fucked up guns and we tried to sell them to the U.S. market. <clears throat> I was in the room and, like, one of those back rooms at SHOT Show when the then CEO of Taurus, like, 
pulled out of like a velvet lined box, the curve and showed it to myself and like a couple other media personalities. And I remember they were a very high paying advertiser at the time. So I was like, Oh wow, that's very a thing. Um, and I remember walking out of that meeting going, Jesus fucking Christ, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Fast forward many years later, I'm talking to people who worked for Taurus at the time and they all were like, we don't know how that happened. Like that no one at Taurus thought that was a good idea. So we do, yeah, we acknowledge we made some shitty guns. Uh, you know, I would like- you know, who, you know who thought that was a good idea? I'll tell you exactly who. The fucking engineer. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, Tom's going to stand in the defense of engineers. Back off the engineers. No, I'm serious. And we, we were talking about this the other day. Matt, you probably saw it on PNS. You know, this guy gets on and he says, you know, I want to ask for help for an engineer kid that I know. Okay, cool. You got an ME. Nice job. Go find a job somewhere else. Right. Go get some experience in another industry that doesn't involve explosives and learn some shit like how to listen to other people. Okay. And then come into the firearms industry where you're going to deal with stuff that can literally take somebody's hand off and talk to us about how you want to change the industry and design new stuff. And those of us who, yeah, those of us who have been around for a while will look at you and go, okay, cool. You've got some experience now. Let's talk about how explosions alter metal. The firearms industry absolutely needs the guy from office space who takes the the specifications from the customer and breaks it to the engineer because I have fucking people skills. Like we need, we actually have to have that guy in our industry because, well, and because the customer, like, so I am much more of a, a, a trigger puller than I am an engineer, right? Like I don't understand like metal tolerances and like fucking force vectors of explosions and whatever all of that shit is. But I can tell you, when I put a gun in my hand and I'm running at a speed, what I need the gun to do from a shooting perspective, right? So then I need uh, an interlocutor to take that and go to the fucking nerd brain and say, all right, nerd brain, here's what trigger puller said, make do this because I can't go to the nerd brain and do that. I'm just going to take his lunch money and put him in a locker. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again in this industry. And it's not just well, engineering. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. But yeah, like, it's, not just, you, it's not just a gun industry. You would be surprised how bad engineers are for the people that build nuclear power plants. <laughs> Please don't, don't tell me that. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because I have some friends that work at the one down the road. And I've heard the horror stories. I'm like, what, play, what plant are you near? Uh, the one over by, it's just south of Omaha. Uh, I haven't been to that one. They just, they just recommissioned it after being down for years and years and years. And yeah, the stories I get, I'm like, wow, you guys are in charge of the nuclear plant? No, but like, so back to what you're saying, it's like, tell me how this thing works first, then tell me how you're going to change it. Right. You know, like a, a lot of these people that try to try to do so many like different design things and whatever, you can't even change your fucking oil. So it, you don't know how wrenches work. You don't know how this works. You have to go to a Facebook group. And I'm not poking any Facebook group or anybody in particular. If that's if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But if you're a fucking engineer, 
and that's where you're at. And then you're trying to tell somebody that made a successful living doing this stuff, what you're supposed to do. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. No, I fucking hate it. I, I hate engineers. You are an engineer. Yes. <laughs> so I, have, I have a lot of exposure to them. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's not, it's not just engineers. It can be anybody in the industry. Apprentices. I mean, it, that that's one of my biggest grievances is apprentices who think they know everything. And, you know, like in my shop, I've got a small shop, got three full-time guys working with me plus myself. And, and it's a very open um, thought process shop. I do know a lot because I've seen a lot, right? That's just a given. But if you can show me a way to do it faster and better or better, if it's just faster, I'm not interested. But if you can show me a way to do it better and or faster at the same time, then I'm in. But don't come into the shop and go, yeah, I know, I know how to do this. And definitely don't come into shop just to get the information, then leave, start your own stock shop and steal all my information. That's bullshit. That's rural. Does, does rural Nebraska not have like non-disclosures and non-competes? Well, we do, but as you will find out, is a lot of that shit doesn't mean shit unless you've got deep pockets. Yeah, I mean, Brian, even you got to know, like, that shit's worth exactly the price of the paper it's printed on, uh, and also the price of the lawyer that you have who's willing to enforce it. So if all you have is the paper, you're fucked. Well, and I have I have extremely good lawyers. If I mentioned his name, Caleb, you would know immediately who he is, because uh, he's out of Atlanta. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but you got to look at it, and, you know, and sometimes it's you know, when the lawyer comes to you and goes, yeah, it's going to take a, a quarter million dollars to pursue this and you're going to win, but it's going to cost you a quarter million dollars. Well, a guy in my position doesn't have, doesn't have the pocket to do that. I would rather take my quarter million dollars and buy some land and invest it in some other way so that someday I can retire and not build guns anymore. Or, or have you experienced this one? You're going to spend $250,000 uh, to pursue someone with a net worth of 12. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? You know, and we, we live in an extremely litigious society as it is, right? Everybody, everybody wants to get, get a nickel off of somebody else. So at some point, you know, well, I will say this, I'm not going to say too much about this, but I will say this, the industry always has a way of fleshing out those people. Always. I've been in the industry for 15 years and on a, on a, fucking nose grind level and the industry always has a way of finding those people out and showing who they really are and those people in the industry that that don't flesh out they get flushed like a bad turd and those of us who have stood our ground and taken the high ground and done the right thing by our clients and by the other people in the industry that we know we we end up being okay in the end and that's just the agree. way the, that's the way it works. I don't know if I'd 100% agree with that because if you guys recall, uh, Smith and Wesson had an international sales manager get arrested at Shot Show in 2015 
And then that guy got a job with Sig Sauer and a bunch of investigation files on him were just unsealed this last week about how he's been defrauding the Indonesian government. So I do agree that we do flush some turds down the toilet, but if a turd gets to a certain high level of turdery, then they circulate through the system doing graft on international customers until they get... Of, I don't know, of arrested by the F. How many times do you have to get arrested by the FBI for defrauding international customers before you don't have a job anymore? At least one, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. But eventually that guy's going to get, he's going to get his. God, I hope so. Brian? Ask holes. That's my pet peeve. That is my grievance of the week. Uh, <laughs> And here's why. So I, I have re-entered into like unearthing the, the 1911 woes of, of 20 years ago when I ducked out, right? And I got a funny story about those too. But it, anyway, and forever, I will have people come up to me and go, well, which one should I buy? And I'm like, here's a 30-minute conversation in my life that I will never recover ever again but here you go uh if you're buying an off the rack gun this is what i like they're pretty consistent if you're buying this that the other if you want to go high end you call joe or or so you know some, somebody like that right you want to get an heirloom piece built wait five or six years i got a guy for that too right well, what do you think of the kimber like mother here we go and then or the guy that asked you 97 questions about optics like what do you think the best well hey this is what i like and this is why okay well i like these yeah well i didn't have good luck with those oh you hate those oh you don't want those you hate them uh, and i'm like no i just broke every one of them that ever that i've ever touched like i'm sorry um you know your mileage may vary but the people that will spend an inordinate amount of time asking you all of the questions and then only to do the polar opposite thing that they had intended to do beforehand and then they get mad at you when you don't give them a warm fuzzy over their bullshit purchase or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Those people have been uh, the bane of my existence recently. But, uh, oh, and uh, here's the other one. I can't buy this in Oklahoma. That's just, that's a grievance. It's, it's yingling. It's like this beer everywhere else. You've probably got like, way you probably drive past five places that sell better beer than yingling to get yingling well i was in well, not dallas just, not to be a snob or anything but no, no. shut up pennsylvania i was <laughs> yingling's great i was i was hanging with with uh bulky and hanny big mood this last egg yesterday and i was like oh they have yingling here in dallas 186 miles south of where i live and uh so it just kind of irks me that i can't do that that's that's grievance number two but uh, if you want to hear the funny engineer and 1911 story, I'll give it to you real quick because it it goes with the grievance thing. So in, in 2006, I'm in uh, Bill Lockridge's 1911 build course, right? I'm going to like dive off into the, the knowledge base. And my bench partner flies in like a day late. Uh, he didn't stick. He didn't pay for the build course. And I find out later it was wasn't because he didn't want to go. It was because the company he worked for wouldn't pay for it. And uh, this dude is a total suit. I mean, just suit and tie, dude. And uh, 
Like he's looking at, at a three ounce ball peen hammer. Like it's like it's Thor's hammer or something, you know? And, and, and I said, man, what do you do? Like in the real world? And he goes, well, I work for a gun company. Uh, and he kind of has a little New York accent and I'm like, Oh, okay. I said, why'd you leave? He said, well, you know, our business model was <laughs> we built guns knowing that the customer, the end user was never going to fire more than a thousand rounds in the entire time of they owned that gun. It was just going to be their once a year showpiece or whatever. Oh, look, I got the one that's Cerakoted Brown or whatever. And I go, Oh, so, so you're here. Some corporate guy paid you to come to this class. He goes, well, I'm an engineer and I'm going to work for another company uh, that was kind of in the same Northeast region that had just fired up their 1911 builds. <laughs> and they wanted to copy the business model. And I'm sure you can figure out who I'm talking about. So, uh, and yep. not that they don't make great other guns, but uh, it was at the time, like the Brady bill was still kind of around in some, you know, and there was still some of that holdover from the post Brady bill. You still couldn't find Glock mags everywhere, stuff like that. So all these companies started capitalizing on that quickly. And uh, yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my two grievances of the night. Bad beer assholes. That works. I, I I can't hate on assholes too much because I sell a lot of guns to them. But but at least you're selling them a gun that it has has a decent reputation now. Like yeah, I mean at least you know, and for the most part, they call my customer service department. So, uh, but you know. And I am, I, I, I say this because I, I get a lot of DMs from people with revolver questions, right? And 99, because I'm, I'm with you on the ask thing, 99.9% .9 of the questions that I get over my DMs about revolver stuff are in good faith. They're from people who don't know, they're curious about it, they want to get into it, whatever. And they are like, hey, this guy's an acknowledged industry SME on this. Let me just ask him. And I really try to answer those. If I've missed your DM, I'm really sorry. I am actually fairly busy um but then there's that 0.1 percent where they ask me a question and i answer their question and then there's 463 follow-on questions and i'm like hey dog i don't i i or actually the worst are the people who ask me for stuff that like i cover in class that i specifically have said in forum posts or online where i'm like hey if you come to my class you'll learn about more about this topic and then they dm me and they're like I want to learn more about your topic. And I'm like, please click Eventbrite link and pay $500 and you will learn about it for two fucking days. You spent a lot of money and time learning that. Yeah, yeah. No, I spent a lot of time and money learning that. I'm happy to teach it to you in exchange for some American currency so I can, you know, do dumb shit with your money. But I don't know. The, the ask whole thing's frustrating because there's so many people who are asking novice questions in good faith and there's so many people who are not doing that and it's impossible for me to tell from that first question like that first question i'm like i'm gonna assume this is a good faith question and then i you know it's not or whatever and again though 
For the most part, it is. And if you are listening to this, you, if you're a PNS member and you've DM'd me a question, you're not the assholes. Believe me, there is a real self-selecting group in here. You guys aren't the guys that are sending me the dumb questions. So don't like be like, please don't DM me and be like, am I the guy? No, it's not fucking you. If you're at all self-aware enough to be worried whether or not you are the guy, you're not the fucking guy. All right. It's actually me because I it's need Caleb Revolver stuff on a somewhat Daddy, regular basis. Then, then, hang on, wait, Nate, what's your Instagram handle? Because that, that, that I'll connect them and I'll be like, you are the fucking guy. But no. No, you, you, you told me to like send me, like send you my name when I like message you next time. So you can connect it up a little bit, but, but I, I seriously have a, I have messaged you in the past before. So again, you you're pro- but you're not that guy because I've never looked at one of your messages and been like, ah, oh, God damn it. Here we go again. Um, what, so now yeah. what about the people? Sorry, Caleb. I was like, so what about the people that you answer the question for? And then they tell you how you're wrong. Oh, uh, I blocked like those people. Plus. You're talking, I, I just, you're talking about internet forums right there. Yeah. So when those people do it in my DMs or on my page, so the I only am on one forum anymore and I'm barely on it. And the best thing about that is all of these interactions are largely constrained, uh, confined to pages that I control. So if you ask me a question on my page or in my DMs or something like that, and then I answer it based on my training knowledge experience, uh, and then you say, well, here's why you're wrong. I say, great, goodbye. And I delete you and block you because I don't fucking care. <laughs> like if you're not, I am 100% in favor of people who agree with me in good faith. I've had really long conversations with Brian about shit that we disagree on. And that's fine because we're both fucking grownups. Well, and that's, that's, go ahead, Brian. It's asshole plus it's plus P plus assholes. It, yeah, right. exactly. It's the <laughs> oh man, I almost said something. It, no, I'm going to say it. it's the super vel assholes. <laughs> that's that's why I left the forums and went to Patreon. Yeah, and people 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 railed on me for a year about wow. oh it, you're going to Chambers. What what's that page that women pose nude on and they OnlyFans. Yeah. Oh, go I, to I'm Chambers. not ashamed that I know that. <laughs> go, go to Chambers OnlyFans account if you want to know anything that he knows. Wait, and you have an Only OnlyFans? No, I have a Patreon. And I almost you know, started an OnlyFans just for Revolver content. You should. And no, because it, it was a two-tier <laughs> business plan, so you could pay for my OnlyFans and learn Revolver stuff. And then also, when your wife said, "What's this OnlyFans charge on our credit card?" You should be like, "Oh, it's a business yeah. expense." It's Caleb Giddings. He's teaching about revolvers and stuff like that. And you don't, mine's only 20 bucks. The charge is $50. You don't mention the other $30 that you're paying, but I'm just saying guys, (laughs) business opportunity. Yeah, I did. And and you would be wearing only your competition rig. Only. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just to see our speed belt. It's like yeah. for the love, yeah. please carry appendix. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be fair, Caleb. You're you're already putting out some of that thirst trap content in the filter workshop. So <laughs> if you have if you're not in the filter, no. see, you know, Alex, that's like old school filter concealment group because that used to be like that has turned into this, and I've I've told John and Sarah this, so they can't be mad at me, but that has turned into a gen pop gun group. Uh 
it's turned into a tolerable gen pop gun. Yes, show. I agree. Because it's so it's aggressively it's, curated. Oh, only because they're literally fucking paying people to control it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much like pistol form in that pistol form is a tolerable gun forum. Uh, the filster concealment group is a tolerable gen pop gun group because it is heavily moderated by relatively smart people. Um, but I remember like back in the wild west days, like, like there was like three quarter dick shots, like guys were showing their dick root and like (laughs) guns were down to here. And you're like, is this gay porn or am I looking at concealment strategies? I don't know. Did you stop scrolling? That's not a grievance, by the way. That's, that's like a bring back the wild west days. You know, as you're going through, you're like, I actually haven't seen a holster in these pictures for a while. That's so weird. (laughs) And then there was a phase where it was all like hot moms in yoga pants. And I would be like scrolling and my wife would be like, what the fuck are you looking at? I'm like, baby, this is actually work related. And let me explain to you. Why is that shirt shirt pulled up? I, I don't know why her shirt is like. Why? Okay, to the women in the Filster Consumer Group who are pulling your shirt all the way up so I can see your underboob. One, thank you. Two, also, that's unnecessary. I don't need to see that much to know your concealment strategy. What's a flashbang holster? <laughs> At some oh, point, Caleb, I'm going to have to tell you how my wife got Caleb Causey in trouble with his wife. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Let us know. He was dehydrated. Uh, <laughs> it was the thirst. <clears throat> Uh, oh, there's a great one for you. Trap. <laughs> there's too many specialized Caleb's in this industry. So, like, <laughs> we got Water Caleb, and the number of times I've been tagged when people are trying to tag him in stuff, too many. You got uh, then Wheelie we have, Daddy. Then we have Revolver Caleb. The number of times he's been tagged, okay, that's aggressive. When people are trying <laughs> to tag me, too many. I didn't However, make it up. Some Revolver uh, Rob did, made that up. People have called me Wheelie Daddy now to my face, which is weird uh no but the the the, there's a third one and people don't know who caleb hybe is but caleb hybe is one of the owners of speed bees who make fucking speed loaders there's actually two caleb's who shoot revolvers at a high level i'm just glad he's decided he doesn't want to be internet famous because that shit would be a real fucking problem if he did he's a great guy and speed bees are a great product but there's me and Luckily, me and Caleb Kazi have managed to segregate it into Water Caleb and Revolver Caleb. Well, I mean, when you two stand beside each other, there's also a difference. <laughs> I've I've never met him. Aren't you, are you? I mean, depending on how you crop this the year? photo, they're not in frame together. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> uh, yes, and yes, I will be attack on this year. So I have. Uh, I'm actually going to attack on entirely as an attendee. So, which it'll be my first tack on, uh, haven't done it before. Well, we will have to make sure that water Caleb and revolver Caleb have a picture together. Oh yeah. So I want to take one of his medical classes. Cause that's one of like the holes in my skill set is like patching bullet holes. You should host him in South Carolina. Ugh. Do you know how much work it is to fucking host people? I'm really busy. <laughs> you should tell Caleb you should come to South Carolina. I have I barely have the energy to schedule my own classes, all right? Much less like schedule other people's classes. Also, fair, if anybody's got a range a whole like, lot less facility than you do. Also, if anybody's got a range in like the Utah, Nevada, California, Arizona region, you want to do a revolver class, hit me up. <clears throat> Nate, did you actually leave? Because I was about to call on you. 
He might have. Oh, or maybe man. his internet died. Tom, what do you have for us? That's Aside from mouthful of moose munch. Um, no, I, I think I covered the, the biggest thing is if we're going to try to hold companies to standards or we like to hold companies to standards that they don't have to act on. And then, you know, when they do, we still tell them to fuck off. But I think we covered that pretty well. Uh, the other side is, um, and I think you guys were getting on it a little bit whenever I came on. Um, the big issue I have is with everybody's infatuation on being an expert. You can't just be somebody in, you can't just be somebody in a community that knows a thing or does a little bit. You gotta be a fucking, you gotta have a title beside your name or you gotta be this, gotta be that. Um, and it's a lot of times it's all of our friends and, you know, it's, a lot of stuff that happened, like, let's look at um, how the weapon mounted light some, somehow became mandatory because it was, it was poor verbiage and, and it wasn't, it, 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 it was a lot of us. Uh, and it was all, it, not necessarily precise language and things kind of got out of the way. And if we let every single person be an expert when they're not necessarily, uh, you know, like, hey, this person knows a lot about this, but they've only been shooting for six months that's okay. They can still know a lot about that, but like trying to tell the rest of the world or, or whatever hurts them. And then it makes us as a group look bad whenever you know, people kind of find that out. And it's just, no, it, it's okay to, you know, just do this and, <clears throat> and know a little bit. I just want to know what is on that gorgeous Jubilee bracelet you're wearing there. Now, nothing just to watch. Are you fellow watch nerd? I try to be. Okay, good. There's a grievance. Fucking watch nerds, man. Fucking watch people are worse than engineers. They're fucking wear me out, man. So now Nate's back and he's also eating. Nate, what do you have for a grievance for us? You know, I uh I was thinking I would probably just be inspired to like think of some grievances during the course of the chat, but they've either been taken already, or I guess I'm just in a happier mood and can't really think of something to really vent about, but I will certainly chime in if I've got my own. That works. Alex. Well, I mean, aside from Alex grievances about people wearing their pants too low. All right, that's it. It's it's people are wearing their pants too low. I'm it's tired of seeing all... that shit. I am not pulling my pants over my goddamn hip bones just for you. Okay, listen. Well, and, and here's the thing. That's fine, Caleb. You just need to buy pants that are of the appropriate rise, so that the crotch isn't three inches below the fucking fork of your legs. But that's not even my grievance. My grievance, aside from the fact that this industry is far too tolerant of cargo pants. Um, is going to be, uh, honestly, we lose track of what normal actually is to the rest of the world. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it is, is like our version of normal, our version of, of acceptable. It still skeeves some people out. And whenever we encounter that, there's this sort of incredulous reaction of, well, I mean, of course this makes sense. If you don't see it that way, you're dumb. And then it just alienates a bunch of people that are potential allies and uh, makes the job a whole lot harder. Yes, indeed. No, that's that's a fair grievance. And it's I think it's something everybody 
it's also an, an, an internal bias that a lot of us have, right? Like I work in the gun industry. I work from home. It is not unreasonable for me to carry a four inch revolver in an outside the waistband holster because I can actually build my life around that gun versus having to build my gun into my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't work for a state farm agency anymore. I don't work for a downtown bank or something like that, that has a strict no guns policy. So there's so many of us instructors, writers, journalists, influencers who forget that like the average gun consumer needs something that he's going to leave in his car when he goes to work at Merrill Lynch. And then he's going to take that exact same gun because he doesn't have a different home defense gun. Like he's got a gun. That's it. There's, there's the, the gun. It's yeah. for home defense. It's for concealed carry. It's for, it's the gun, you know? And it's not like he's got, he's not me. He doesn't have a Beretta 92 from Langdon with a light locked up in a safer home defense. He doesn't have a different carry gun. He doesn't have a shotgun. He's just got the gun. That's the gun. Yeah. I mean, uh, a, a prime example of this was like <clears throat> just before this, I was out at the company Christmas party with my coworkers at the custom clothier where I work part-time and um, I was, you know, I don't know if it's showing up on camera, but I still can have the, the ship works beauty mark on my forehead. I'm a little visually busted up. Um, and so, you know, there, there were some questions about like what the hell happened to you. And I'm fresh off of, uh, of edge weapons overview this weekend. It was a 50, 50 split down the middle of, dude that's badass and why in the hell would you do like would you pay money to do that those and, and you know these are oh. regular people for whom you know the applied violence realm is not on their radar yep. so one of the things that i learned real quick when i was single and i get reminded of regularly because my wife is a nor like a regular earth person and all of her friends are like like was that the idea to most people of carrying pepper spray and a surefire stiletto at the same time in your pockets is basically makes you a Martian to like, yeah. your normal earth people. The fact that you carry palm and a flashlight at the same time, they're like, that is like, why though? Yeah, yeah. You're already a fucking weirdo just for doing things to us the that we consider minimum. like, yeah, that's that's not that's like the that, that's not even the entry level. That's like buying your tickets to get to the to the thing. And so when you have interactions with normal people like my wife or her friends and they're like you went to a class and someone cracked two of your ribs. I'm like, "Yeah, it was fucking awesome." They're like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Could you imagine, Caleb, if normal earth people sat at the the instructor dinner table at the revolver roundup. Could you imagine the shock and awe that would be on people's? It, they, they wouldn't even be, it's it. I, I have thought about stuff like that. It's it's, they wouldn't be able to process it because it's, it would be the same the way I think of it as it would be the same as me sitting down at a table full of other country nationals we're speaking a language that I don't understand. And I am waiting for the turp 
to tell me what they're saying. And based off the Turks body language, I'm going to try to decide if I got to shoot somebody or not. That's, I mean, but similar to that, we're like, they're in an environment that's so alien, right? Like you could take, if you took like a regular earth person, like not even my wife, because, because she's married to me, she's exposed tangentially to some of this. She started to understand this, but like one of her friends, right. Lives in Manhattan, works for a booze business, decent you know like wonderful human being I, you know i have him over for supper let him i'd let him watch my kid overnight right like that's that kind of people right okay put them at that table with you me haggard bulky dobbs uh fucking and all of those other people they can't even speak the language they're they are they're they are aliens listening to people talk in a language that they don't understand. They may understand a word or two here or there, but the actual language is something that they won't get. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now imagine living in Nebraska. Right. I could do that, but I feel like that's also what Catholics imagine when they imagine what purgatory is like. So, you know, I moved here from Atlanta and where I lived for over 20 years and people still here, they go, you lock your, you, you lock your house. Well, hell yeah. I lock my house. You don't lock your house. No, no. Yeah. I don't lock my house. Or they go to the grocery store and leave their car unlocked. I'm like, Oh no. Oh no, I ain't doing that. Oh, that's that's I lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's Sioux Falls right there. Is people would start their cars and like I'll leave my car running in my driveway for like five minutes when if I run out to start it here in uh Greenville, I'll start it because it's it's chilly. I want it warm when I put my kid in it. It's also in my driveway in a really nice nice neighborhood, and it's maybe five minutes. And also I'm more than willing to accept that risk, but like you know, yeah, in, in South Dakota, I lived in an apartment and my friends would start their cars, go back up to their fourth floor apartment, fuck around for 30 minutes, leaving their car running with the keys in it. I'm like, are you on a drug or all the drugs? Cause no, man, yeah. that's the way it is here. Oh, I, know. I got a, uh, I got, I got, I got a sister-in-law in Southwest Louisiana. And when she comes out here to Houston, I got a reminder. It's like, yeah, sweetheart, when we're going to the restaurant, you got to take that bag and at the very least stash it under the seat if not bring it with you, because uh, otherwise you're paying for that window. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and yeah. like I have a, I bought a years, couple years ago, we had a flood. So I had to buy a tractor to fix our half mile driveway. that got washed away. And I bought a John Deere 4020 and it has a key, right? You put the key in, you turn it, then you hit the button to start it. When I go out of town, I take the key out and I lock it in the shop. And all my buddies are around here like, why? We all have keys to a John Deere tractor. If we wanted to steal your tractor, we would steal it. And, but it's a different mentality growing up in Atlanta. Man, you didn't leave a key in anything. No. You didn't leave the door unlocked. You know, nothing was unsecured. Because if you left it unsecured, it was gone. Do you also, uh, you also swap out all your firing pins when you go out of town? No. <laughs> I probably should on a couple of these rifles I have. You never know. <laughs> that was a deep cut just for Caleb. 
I appreciated that. I enjoyed that. On that note, guys, uh, I have a three-year-old. He will be up in like, I don't know, 10 minutes because three-year-olds are all the fucking devil. So I'm out. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, It's been fun. And I hope everybody who agitated for me coming back is happy that they got a much less angry version of me. But being a dad will fucking change your life. Yeah. Pull your pants up. Fuck you. (laughs) Jack, what do you have for a grievance? Um, grievance number one, I think Taurus needs to quit dicking around and make a judge in 12 gauge. <laughs> um, I think, and also like Taurus, I mean, let's be honest, like a Taurus G2 and a box of Monarch nine millimeters got more bodies on it in the street than anybody. Um, so, you know, whatever XYZ brand gun you have, uh, that's about the King right now. Um, touched on, you know, like we said, some of these folks like me, you know, there's this guy, uh, Ambrosia Terrebonne. He likes to call himself a subject matter enthusiast. And I think that's a great place to be. Um, because like it, it was mentioned, you know, there's some cats that, Maybe they've only been doing this six months, but they have very good. For me, your audio's so cutting out real bad. Video game that they can make information in, in Glock 19 videos. Like they're- you might need to redo what you just said. How about yeah, me? definitely. <laughs> well, okay. at, at what point? The last thought. So, so basically, new people have an interesting perspective that people have been doing this forever don't. Right. Hold on. Let me try and uh, stop video. Let me see if this helps with my audio. Oh yeah. 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 So I mean, there's, there's newer folks that. They're, they might not be aware of the 5,700 other Glock 19 videos that are out on the internet. Um, but hey, man, more power to them. I mean, because there's probably people that are also new. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a very good point about, you know, maybe or maybe not having a light on your gun will get you killed in the streets. Who knows? I mean, that's for you to decide. Um, but that kind of leads into don't just assume that because a person has their gun or their gear or their equipment set up a certain way that they're a fucking idiot because you cannot fathom why they would have that set up that way. Um, there's probably like maybe if you ask them and said like, hey, you know, what's that about? Uh, they probably you know and very look they could be a fucking idiot um but they very well might give you an answer of something that you never thought of so you know like myself right here i've got a bird's head on a 1301 uh it's not a popular choice uh and to be that guy that say it works for me uh but there is a uh narrow band of where that works you know daryl bulky was mentioned and, you know, 
he's the guy that got me into bird's heads and uh the other guy from uh i can't remember his name Rhett. uh Rhett but Newmeyer. you know he i saw him running <laughs> yeah i saw him running a, a bird's head 1301 and uh here in southern louisiana there's a ton of confined spaces and trailers and it seemed it works phenomenally in that uh but somebody would just kind of look at it and go you know what the fuck is this dude doing uh but like i said to be that guy it works for me but it works for me because i made it work for me to do what i need you can, to do so you can also i would just say exactly that's, yeah that's, so, that's, that's, the, that's the distinction is, is that you can articulate why it works for you it you know it works for me is the first half of that thought not its entirety right but also so, something I, I you were you know i mean it just it just gets i'll right, go for go it man not nah, you it's your turn oh no man I, I was just uh like i said i mean there's just like a lot of my equipment um a lot of my gear uh a lot of stuff has been removed, you know, just, there's, there's just a lot, uh, or, or as you know, I was just picking up like a, got like a 13 point, I got a 13, seven with just like a front side post and, uh, like the Magpul furniture on it and an optic. And somebody was just, it, it feels very bare bones, However, on that, it was kind of a joy to shoot because it didn't have the suppressor on it, the light, the mall, the other heavier, like it just didn't have all the shizer on it that I, like that my work gun did. So it just almost kind of felt like a, uh, kind of felt like a little sports car, you know? Um, so, and, and as much as I can, I'm trying to, trying to remove all the bullshit and i think that's a lot of thing like when guys are trying to like i don't have a problem with people having body armor i don't have a problem with people like get all that stuff i mean it's it's it's, it's pretty much a lot of that stuff is what our culture is founded on and not even like the gun culture i'm talking about like the american culture um but i think and i'm guilty of it just like everybody else i think if you've got space for a doodad, people want to put a doodad there. So if you have like rail space for a doodad, people want to put a doodad there. And if you've got like Molly for a doodad, people want to put a doodad there. And, and I'm saying this as somebody who has to pull myself back from that. It's not a, yeah. it's not a finger pointing thing. It's like, I'm coming in for the hug for the embrace that so we can commiserate about it. Um, so like, watch out for that. I would say. I don't know if that's a grievance or if that's just kind of like, hey, bros, like, let's bro down on this one. Well, that was the same five to 10 years ago with uh, Velcro. There's a patch of Velcro that's unused. Got to put a patch there. No, you don't. God damn it. I need it. I need it. No, but something you had uh, kind of touched on uh, that kind of circles back to one of the things I mentioned. And also, I think... Uh, Joe would kind of not, maybe not necessarily talk to it, but kind of talk around it. Um, that new guy that comes into the shop or whatever, he's got a fresh take Their, You know, their opinions are if they can be delivered correctly and they come with some level of understanding, they can be priceless. Those, you know, that new stuff, it, I, we need new life in this. 
we need to encourage it, but we also need to not ruin it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's like, and, and kind of going like to the asphalt thing, it's, it's definitely, it's, you know, Hey, what light do you think I should use? I recommend this. Uh, well, I had already bought this one and it's like, well, why, why did you ask buddy? You know? And it's, uh, I can't, can't tell you how many friends I've tried to talk out of buying XDs, but they seem, they, 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 they love them. Nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. They're, and they, they, they are inexplicably popular. They love them, but they don't shoot them. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. Well, and it's 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 an interesting choice of words because I wouldn't say they're inexplicably popular. There's there's very good justification for why they're popular. It's because on paper, it sounds like a great idea to somebody that has no idea what the hell's going on. Because, you know, the failure points that we're all aware of make the liabilities far outweigh any potential perceived benefit. But, you know, the, made, the, 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 the fact that it is a perceived American brand, the fact that it's metal magazine bodies, the fact that it's got that grip safety, the striker indicator and all this other shit that ultimately is feel good, but not functionally relevant, you know, it's... It, uh... it's it it's, also it's, it's, fires. It's, it's warm. It's warm, fuzzy in a box. It it will still fire when the slide is slightly depressed, um, which I think is part of its uh, Eastern European heritage. Like when you have it against somebody's head and you're questioning them, you know, like that that little bit of pressure won't take the gun out of battery. Yeah, I mean, when I was working the gun counter, it was the grip safety was the big value prop on that gun. You know, it was, it was a striker gun with a grip safety and that's why everybody was gravitating towards it over Glock in the, you know, late aughts. Yeah. I, I remember when I remember when I was working at a shop in college and, and I cannot tell you how many people came in and specifically mentioned that as a, um, as kind of their deciding factor factor to go with the XD uh, Matt would come into the range sometimes, so he might have even heard people saying it. But I, in fact, I so many people would do that. Like I had a I had a lady come in and said, you know, I want this with the grip safety in case my kids get all of it. And I, I was I was and, about to bring that up as a and, and so like and it. so what I what I would say to people, I really would like like you know as as much as possible, you know, in a diplomatic, logical way, say so. So you're saying that you are expecting that your child is going to have access to your firearm that has round that, that is loaded has a round in the chamber and the thing that you are going to rely on is the fact that they are not going to depress that grip safety and that's going to be the difference between them firing the gun and not you know i feel like too and to give them props um i want to say like the 19x format they had first I want to say they had like a 3.9 barrel and slide yep. on a full yep. size grip before on the XPM. Any yep, 19 yep. rounds in the magazine. Which yep. is like, it's one of those things where you're like, God, you know, these guys, fuck. 
Well, it's all and and kind of in a backwards way is kind of funny when uh, when the XDS came out in forty five and everyone just like lost their minds and forgot that Glock had a single stack forty five. I mean, I don't know how many years before that, you know, but just kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, the X the XDS was a lot smaller though. The XDS is a, in the in the form factor is more like a G forty eight as opposed to the single stack uh, forty five Glocks. Well, I mean, the full-size Glocks are basically an aircraft carrier on the top of them in the large frames. So, you know, yeah. being smaller than that's not saying much, I guess is true. So in, in cop world, that that whole XD thing, you got to think about the time frame that they hit when Springfield relaunched them, right? You were right in the peak of the G22 debacle, the Gen 3 G22 debacle. And it was one of the first alternatives polymer striker fired you had the m&p came on strong right then and the xd came on strong uh h&k was you know the usps were kind of around there was some of that but when you had your like major metropolitan departments that had just run through the gamut with the the gen 3 g22s and whatever they want to chalk that issue up to ammo and lights and all that other stuff uh they they kind of like hit the market at the right time. They were really, and most cops I knew didn't start seeing issues with them for five or six years. Well, why is that? Well, they don't shoot them very much. I mean, 50, a hundred rounds a year. So where we started really seeing the issues with that gun, wasn't even in the mass carried areas. It was with people that actually went out and trained with those guns in the, defensive context or the non-sworn context and uh you know fast forward 15 years and it's like places are deauthorizing them left and right so it's i never had a real complaint with that gun until i started seeing people that were high what i would call high volume shooters more than a thousand rounds a year through a handgun or and not even one handgun just people that shoot and they start going, man, I'm having problems with mags. I'm having problems with this, that this indicator broke off or that, or the grip safety hung, whatever it was. Um, but that was really born out of the, the like non-sworn populace. Whereas a lot of things you see get pressure tested. The G22 on the other hand, and I mean, I knew people that carried them long after the cops had dumped them. So it's like, some of that's good. Some of it's bad. What did you say? What, what else do you guys have? Come on, Nate. Nate's got a grievance. Um, if I have to come up with one, I guess I would say my grievance is with people who spend a lot of mental energy and time and money on equipment and can't shoot very well. And I totally get, you can be a collector, you could be a buying enthusiast and, and, and that's awesome. And if you want to do that more power to you, but I'm, I'm meaning specifically the people who want, who want or claim to be going after the shooting performance and they do it just with the equipment. So the, the, they're trying to the, buy it. The thought that the thought that came to me is, so I run a weekly match up here 
uh, where I live. And before I moved um, back where I used to live at the range that um, I met Matt at, um, I also ran a weekly match there. And so I had lots of great stories there. Lots of great people, like seriously, like some of my great friends I've met at those matches. But, but one funny instance was uh, somebody who was shooting a, a nine millimeter Glock of some sort. I can't remember if it was a 17 or a 19 um, having the consistent low left issues that we all know and love, you know, and uh, gun. Yes. Yeah. It was the gun's fault. So um, we talked a little bit after the match, did a little bit of uh, a trigger work and kind of telling him what was going on, what I thought was going on. Um, so I was like, you know, this is what I would do. I'd go practice this, you know, I'm happy to work with you, do whatever I can. And, and his, uh, his response was he went out and bought a, a $300 plus Glock barrel from a very notable oh, company. Good. Um, it was gold colored. So, um, and proceeded to immediately shoot the exact same way as, as is to be expected. And just, he, he just couldn't even like comprehend this. And Depending so, on the barrel, potentially worse. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I mean, this was pre pre gen five, but still, even those, you know, even the older guns are, are still very accurate actually. Um, so that, that, uh, that thought, um, brought about my, uh, my grievance and, you know, I've, I've come I've, more and more. I just, you know, if, if someone really doesn't care about it, then I'm not going to care for them, but I guess mostly it's just something that's amusing. So like, for example, I had a, I was, I was doing some, let's see, do I have it here? Uh, I took it out, but I took a couple of my, I could took a couple of my uh, 38 snub noses to the range after work yesterday. And I was testing some of the, uh, the Georgia arms, uh, new 148 grain. Yeah. Wad um, cutters? Well, base wad cutters. Um, I bought enough that I could put a few cylinders and checkpoint of impact in each of my guns I'd want to carry. And then enough to, you know, to have, have some to actually carry with. And then I also was trying to load some wad cutters to uh, kind of feel the same, hit the same point of impact. So um, was testing those out and uh, I was getting tighter groups with my gun than the guy next to me who was shooting his suppressed SCAR 16. <laughs> so um, that, I think that's just the, and, and, and he had tons of super awesome equipment. It was really expensive. And I think he really just enjoyed owning that and, and good for him. Um, but uh you know, if you want to get better, rarely is the rarely is the problem the uh, the equipment. So, trying to did buy skill. The, did he spread the trauma around? That's right. You laugh about that. So the first real. the first like official shooting class that I ever went to was at Front Sight, and I went and I did their four day you know pistol class. And to their credit, they had a very good curriculum. It was very good to take somebody who had literally never touched a gun before and get them to the point where they were safely operating at the end of the class. And I really appreciated that. Um, they were very safe, which is more than can be said for, for some other classes. However, there were some of those, uh, those, uh, tactical tidbits that were worth their weight in gold where they had a little metal USPSA silhouette target and the little, uh, black magnets. And they were demonstrating how, you know, it's best to kind of spread those shots around a little bit. So that's why we're not super focused on accuracy and you know, good times. A friend of mine recently qualified for, for an advanced local, uh, or state unit and, um, scored very well. Uh, 
and was actually told, Hey, now I see, it looks like, you know what you're doing. You, you really need to not do this. You know, you want this to be a little bigger here, a little bigger there. We're not going to dock you for it. You know, <laughs> At, by the, by the paper, the score says it's very good, but <laughs> they need bullying. Yeah. No, I, I, I was, I was, I was at a class one time, one of those ones where, you know, the most valuable things you learned was what not to do in a class, um, where I was told that, you know, I should speed up my shooting because my accuracy was too tight as I was shooting faster than anybody else in the class. So weird stuff happens at local gun classes. Alex, you had another and it kind of dovetails into what Nate was talking about in terms of for the defensive practitioners, especially the shooting mechanics, the accuracy and the time standards are important, but they're not the only piece of the equation. And like, I've, I've talked to people who get so fixated on the measurable standards that they lose sight of the forest for the trees. And like, if you, if, if, if you're, if you're chasing that one second draw, but you think that mag 40 is just an expensive lecture, your priorities might be a little skewed. So, you know, it's, it don't, don't lose sight of the big picture because especially with stuff like the Mantis products, the laser shot products and all that, we have more immediate feedback now than ever before. So grip sites trigger all that stuff is very easy to get a whole ton of reps on, but working on, this is one of the things that I've talked about, especially for the last year is I've, I have actively sought out classes that will put me in a position where I can make a bad force decision. Doesn't set me up for failure, but it sets me up for the potential to fuck up. And I think that a lot more people could benefit from that. And the challenge obviously is, is that there's very few people that are doing that right now. But uh, on the defensive side of the house, especially, you know, especially for folks like myself who don't carry a gun for a living, and it's something that just augments our lifestyle. Um, it's, it's something that I think is critically important because for me, not shooting the wrong person is arguably as important, if not more so, than shooting the right one. Or pointing the gun at the wrong person. Yeah. Daryl yeah. talked a lot. Daryl talks a lot about that. You know, what what is aggravated assault or felony assault or uh, you know, whatever the designation is in your uh, jurisdiction. But well, and that's he, he, he definitely had a very heavy influence on this opinion of mine because I still haven't forgiven him for the fact that he got me to murder a target with nothing more than a piece of blue painter's tape. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess here, here's another, here's another grievance for you, Matt. Now that now they're just going to start water falling out here. Um, and, and that actually dovetails into the class discussion um, and kind of that, that question of, you know, what, why aren't more classes doing things like that? You know, these, these individual force decision things or something beyond the uh, something beyond the lining up and shooting on the range. Um one of my grievances is not their not their choice to do this. I, I don't care about that. But classes with an abnormally large number of students that are allowed to sign up 
with a very, very low or sometimes even a single instructor. Um, so I think once again, they're free to do, you know, whatever they want. They can have 50 people sign up for their class with one instructor for all, for all I care. But when I go to a class and I think probably a lot of people here, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm expecting to get just maybe a few little nuggets of information or a few little pieces of feedback to make minor tweaks to what I'm doing. Um, and probably like most people, when I go to a class, I'm paying a lot of money and, you know, I don't have a lot of money to be doing stuff like that. So when I go to a class, I'm taking it very seriously. And it's not just the money, it's, it's everything else that you have to give up out of your life to make it there. Exactly. Yeah. The, it's the money and it's the time and it's the the effort and the, 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 the capital that you're using to, to take that time away from family that you, you know, that you can't use for it. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a huge investment in, in multiple facets. And if I go to a class, which has happened on multiple occasions, you know, to a, you know, a big name instructor and what I get out of it is shooting on the line with a bunch of other people that is, it's, it's not worthless, but it's, I am not getting my money's worth in my opinion. Um, I can go and do that by myself. Um, you could have bought the DVD. Yeah. Yeah. So um, once again, if that's the way somebody's class is set up, you know, more power to them. I'm sure they're, you know, they're making a, making a good amount of money doing that. But for me, when I'm spending that amount of money and things, I, I expect at least a little bit of personal attention. And that's why I try to really, um, and like Matt says, you know, if you have a good source, you need to be promoting that online. So when people are asking for opinions and, and I can only give opinions of classes I've been to, you know, I've, I've, I've told loads of people about Tim Aaron's classes, you know, it doesn't matter if you're coming at it from the competition or the, you know, self-defense, whatever, if you're looking to get very specific and sometimes eerily accurate feedback about your shooting performance, Tim Heron is one of the best instructors I've ever been to that's been able to do that. Um, Ernest Langdon was another one. John Chapman was another, another one and, and, and a number of other people. But I've also been a big name instructors that I got basically nothing out of. So, um, so along with my grievance, um, I'll echo what Matt says. If you've got good feedback about instructors, then uh, give that feedback publicly so people can, can know, you know, hey, this is an instructor that actually cares about you as an individual shooter and recognizes that you're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars usually and maybe kind of expect a little bit of something out of it beyond doing up drills for eight hours a day. But, but then you make them popular and then they have to take too many students and then the cycle starts over. Well, I think, you know, some of those big name guys, you know, a lot of the students that are going to that, you know, this is not, you know, this isn't right or wrong, but I think a lot of the students that go to that are the guys that are just getting certificates, like they're certificate collectors. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I've been to this guy's course. I've been to this guy's course. I've been to this guy's course. And it really doesn't matter to them. Yeah. They're there for the experience. They're there for the yeah. celebrity shooting experience. I shot. Right. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, like you're looking to touch the magic. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and also, you know, maybe that dude knows that that's what they want too. You know, and he's kind of like looking at you like, bro, like this is what you were, you were looking for. Like, you know, like, come on, let's do these ready ups and, and I'm going to validate how good you are at ready ups. And I'm going to walk down the line with my camera while everyone's shooting and then post that clip on the internet. Cause that's right. a good thing for an instructor to do while everyone's shooting. 
especially Fucking when there's ain't. no other adjuncts because you know you'd have to pay them and uh like i'll like i'll go to uh, you know somebody said like the the draw drill you know and, and doing it in, in a second like my the standard that i'm held to in fact i, I just actually had to requalify uh as far as today you know so i did do all the physical, all the, all the, uh, physical assessments today. And then I had to do, uh, our seven standards with pistol and rifle today after that, uh, to include, um, post-certification, which really wasn't a problem. Um, but like all of those, all of those standards that we, you know, those seven standards, you know, those are based around, an actual thing like low ready, high ready, you know, why am I doing it high ready? Why is high ready important? Well, you know, the guy that's going, you know, we're, when we crisscross applesauce into this door, you know, one guy's going to be a little bit lower ready and I'm going to be at a higher ready and I'm coming in right behind him and the guns dropping down. So that's why we have that standard. That's why, you know, and draw and like for us draw is 1.5. It's 1.5 in a target. And there's an area inside that target that I have to hit. You know, so it's kind of like everything that we do. I mean, it's kind of like dudes used to vape, you know, just used to have their vape pen. Now we have competitive vape. You know, now it looks like a, a VHS with like a spigot on the side of it. And I just become like a dragon that blows cereal milk. And, uh, but I think there's a lot of shit that just gets lost in the sauce. Like, why, like, like why did we have a draw drill? Like if we're just going to use a draw drill, like why did we have a draw drill? What's an acceptable standard for a draw drill? Like what is the, am I, am I RoboCop again? No, you're good to like You know, like what's an acceptable standard for a draw drill? Like what is uh, the acceptable hit zone for a draw drill? Like what's it? And, and it's, there's kind of like a lot of that stuff where I think, sometimes people forget why we were doing things and it's good to get into the history of things. So you can remember, go back to, this is why we do this. Cause there's some, so, some of that stuff can kind of spin off of uh, out of orbit and we forget like why we were doing it that way. Uh, whether it was like a constraint of training money the guns of the time or, Hey, this is an actual thing. Why we're training to do this, but you know, people forgot or it didn't get passed down or somebody came and learned a little bit of it. And they're a bit of a charlatan and they're passing that off to everybody else. And so it's, they're doing the monkey see monkey do, but they can't give you the why of like why we're doing that. And it's very important. Uh, you know, at, Matt talks about this, you know, what is the why? Like, why are we doing this? Uh, I think, I think they, I think Matt covered that in like modcast number one, that one that went for like 17 hours. I want to say like daddy, like it's still going. Yeah. All this stuff came up like in that episode. So, um, I would, cause there's just certain things where it's like things get lost and then, a, a little bit of shit gets in the brownies and you just have shit brownies. Like your, your recipes fucked, you know? So, um, 
that I, w- I would kind of piggyback that grievance in as, as, there, as more, as we're having this conversation, it's kind of bringing stuff up. Like, why were we doing it? What's acceptable? Uh, what was the original reason? And like, what is your reason for why you're doing that instead of like, okay, well, we're doing ready ups. You know, why are we doing ready ups? Well, it's because we do ready ups today. We do ready ups. It's like, all right. <laughs> okay. Like that, it's cause that's what, I was, that's what was on the PowerPoint that I stole from somebody last week. You're fucking right. So no, it, history is very important. That's a big thing. And I've been talking with Matt uh, about something I've been wanting to do. There's for, for a lot of the stuff we do, you know, we're, we're still, we can still touch the very beginning of modern firearms training. And we still have people that have no idea this existed before, you know, 2012, like, like appendix care. There are people that don't think appendix carry existed until like T-Rex arms. And like, he wasn't even the first one to make that style holster kind of thing. You know, it's nobody just, yeah, we, we, you don't really know where you're going unless you kind of have an idea where you came from. Bro. Uh, Chuck Haggard made a post almost two years ago where he's got like an old, like defensive shooting book from I want Jim Cirillo. And it's a picture of Jim. It, it, it's, it's because they, you couldn't get videos. So it's like the step-by-step one, two, three of a draw stroke from appendix. And it's like Jim and he's doing his appendix carry and it's a uh, compensated 1911. So like, it like number one, it was like appendix carry, not new and comps on guns and comps on 1911s, not new. And Jim certainly did not kill it in the streets. Like he certainly did not. So, uh, it was a pretty awesome gem that he dug up on that. Like when you said, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, he didn't get killed in the streets, but there were definitely killings in the streets that he was involved in. Yeah, I mean, we're not even going to mention Yukon Cornelius, who was appendix carrying, which I think we've all seen that meme. But and it's it's holiday. Bring it up. Yep. And a fixed blade knife. It almost looks like Tom has something that he's going to show. I was going to say we're about to have some show and tell. It looks like. No, I'm just trying to. Where it's another part of his shelving he's putting together. Is that key mod? <laughs> yes, that's key mod. Not M lock. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what though. No, um, I got a. Uh... Now go go ahead, Tom. I was I I got a new squat rack that came in today because I have a ceiling height issue for in my basement for some stuff I want and so I, and it was also green so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of key mod, uh, one of my favorite four ends for ARs is the uh, URX four with the key mod. And the reason for that is one, they're pretty cheap used because people think the key mod sucks. And two, because the key mod sections are not offset of each other, like the MLOC ones are. I like, for example, I found a 15 inch URX four in key mod and I paid a hundred dollars shipped for it used from a guy on a forum. And guess what? That 15-inch key mod can become any length rail that I want with my metal cutoff saw. And then I spray paint it. And it probably makes people that own Knight's Armament stuff on the internet really mad. But I have made 13-inch rails with URX4s, and I've made 
10 and a half inch rails with URX floors and it takes like five minutes. Kids. Well, I think that covered crying a little bit. A lot. That's been three hours. Darren. Yo, what's up? Do you have a grievance for us? Oh, geez. Um, trying to think if there's anything here that I can grieve about that hasn't already been covered in mass here by the other panels. Um, I, I will say this, uh, customers who, uh, or clientele who come to me asking for, um, basically information to fill their lack of context or understanding of the mission set. And, um, so that kind of brings into question whether or not, you know, that I'm designing gear for them, or are they trying to uncover some sort of, uh, you know, special sauce that uh, they mm. saw somebody in uh, some picture somewhere on the internet and they want to replicate that without understanding the context. And I think a few of the uh, analysts had spoken to that and that sometimes people just don't know enough to know that they don't know enough. And just because in their sphere of influence or understanding, when they see a particular uh, uh, role or context or application of gear, they think that it's either silly or that, you know, it, it doesn't serve any purpose, but they don't know the understand or they don't understand the basis of which that particular um, setup is configured and such, um, because it may very well be well suited for the individual who's sporting that particular setup. And the flip side of that, and this is a big gripe for me right now, especially in the financial um, situation that we're in, in terms of uh, inflation and discretionary fundage uh, or lack thereof for clients that people want, you know, pie in the sky solutions, but they're not willing to pay the pie in the sky costs associated to render those uh, particular solutions and bring them into reality. So that's my biggest gripe is basically having to deal with clientele that just don't know the difference between a lack of knowledge and having a, a, a fourth with yeah. understanding of requirements. But I saw it on that Navy SEAL show. Yeah, exactly. And boy, howdy, I have been getting a lot of that lately. You know, they want to replicate the Navy SEAL plate carrier. Plate carrier is the be all end all solution, you know, to all of their needs. You know, when I bring up that maybe they just need some, you know, conventional level three uh, concealable armor, you know, yeah. maybe an LPAC setup from uh, velocity. I'm looked at as if I've got a green dildo, you know, growing out of my forehead. Well, you, you know, do though, but. Well, you know, it's a fashion statement nowadays. I mean, your video is uh, off, so we can't confirm yes or no. Right. <laughs> there, there, there's a reason for that, you know, and I would have chimed in earlier, but I was driving in from work um, and uh, I'd swung by the shop here and picked up a new sewing machine so i'm like okay now i'm gonna have to do some uh, additional things because i've been getting a lot of requests for plate carrier and carrier modifications and so on so with the current setup that i had i just couldn't do it uh, uh realistically but this new machine will allow some additional capability to be brought to bear so but yeah that's uh that's my biggest gripe and uh, there have been sense. several that were brought up that uh i agreed with wholeheartedly yeah it's amazing what happens when you get good people together who've been there, done that, pay attention. 
and their input is usually right on the money. So, and I have to concur with what uh, Chambers said earlier on about uh, engineers and uh, and folks requesting to be like uh, apprentices and all that. You know, you can't pay me enough to teach you the skills necessary in order to you know get ahead in this industry without you taking that same information and hanging your own shingle with it later on. Yeah. yeah. You know. Because basically you're, you're costing me my time in training you versus actually delivering product to an end user, you know, which is more important here because you certainly don't have the, the ducats in your pocket to pay me the cost that I would charge in order to t- train you. And uh, there have been a lot of folks that have been requesting that I teach them how to sew. And it's like, dude, I've been doing this for almost 20 years and there's just no way that I can, you know, codify it in something that could just be easily taught there's just no way yeah Yeah, but it's like any other particular skill set in manufacture or building items whether it be you know rendering uh, items out of you know castings and and so on and and metal versus nylon and thread you know so good stuff well i think that concludes the sixth annual airing of grievances episode number 325 thank you to the panelists for an awesome discussion look forward to next year's and we'll also be doing that uh favorite things episode next year as well because that turned out to be pretty cool so nate pointed out and I'm going to say it also, make sure you su- you are supporting those sources that you have found to be beneficial. If you like what primary and secondary does, make sure you find us all over the social medias, all over the internets. Give us those likes, those subscriptions, those shares. We are on Patreon as well. If you go to patreon.com slash primary and secondary, you can help support the network. When I say that, I'm talking about paying all those damn bills. Doing this takes time and money. And actually, that was one of the things that we were discussing about people having these boxes of holsters and not learning uh, from the mistakes of others. It's not just a financial thing. That's also a time thing. Same with primary and secondary. It's not just financial paying the bills. Man, the time it uh, takes to produce all this kind of stuff and keep things running and edit. it's, uh, It's not free. So big thanks to the sponsors. Big thanks to Big Tech's Ordnance, Overwatch Precision, Filster, Primary Arms, Walther, and also you, the listener. Thank you. Um, Scallywag Tackle has a their uh, blemish sale going on right now. If you're in the market for a fixed blade or a folding knife, PNS, all caps, 10, gets you 10% off. Kind of nice. I think this might right now, if you're listening to it live, this might be the cutoff. If you were to order it right now, it might be able to get there by Christmas. I wound up buying uh, all my coworkers a little tiny fixed blade knife. I kind of like to have them in my car at work. Helps me open stuff and just nice to have. It's not for people. It's not for stabby people or defensive whatevers. It's just a utility thing. I like it. Uh, No idea what we're going to be discussing next week. That's kind of one of my themes. Uh, I'm hoping to get this out by Saturday. But again, yeah, this was three hours of good nonstop discussion. Wonderful panel. Wonderful people came out and and uh, spent some time with us. I'm going to kill the feed now. Maybe I might start editing. Actually, I think I'm going to eat dinner because that's kind of a good thing to do, too. Can I do a a shout out, Matt? Absolutely. Remember. 
Only you, the listeners, can cyber bully Smith & Wesson into bringing back the night guards, 32 caliber revolvers, etc. Just not in MIM. <laughs> Just not MIM versions. Yeah. And and to be to be totally honest, now that Caleb's at uh, Taurus, I'm uh, expecting new and good things. So maybe we oh, don't yeah. need to cyber bully Smith & Wesson. We can just buy Taurus revolvers. Based so on Taurus, yeah. Taurus has people that get not saying other companies don't. Um, we have the ear of Taurus and Taurus, uh, yep. the Taurus board and their uh, whatnot, uh, people that matter, the movers and shakers in the US, uh, they're us. So, well, and, and if uh, Taurus is actually listening and producing what we want, if it's at the level of that executive, holy crap count me in yeah yeah because nate yeah you you went hands-on with that several times tom do you have an executive no i've got a regular I, it's a i think it's just an eight five six or yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah it's it's nice so i've got um like disclosure i got it for free yeah. um also disclosure i'm friends with caleb uh yeah. you know there's whatever what are happening but it's um i'm very big on the I'm very big on principle in, in general and, you know, going back to like, if they're going to change and try to, you know, try to, try to meet our standards, you know, maybe we got to try, you know, not everybody has the money to go out and patronize them. Uh, me personally, well, actually I did buy, I bought a TX 22 a while ago. Um, actually <laughs> really cool. Cause it's a 22. You can never have too many 22s. That's a Brett gun. Uh, as far as I understand. Um, but if you can patronize the, the people that are trying to meet your standards, uh, you know, let's, uh, I actually, I think a prime example is, do we remember the first Sonic movie? Yes. Remember how the, how, how the bad, CGI Sonic. Oh, yeah. it was fucking atrocious and they fixed it and it was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, if, if these companies are going to go out and uh, raise their level to your standards, if you can patronize them, that's awesome. E even at a minimum, if you can just stop talking about the stuff they themselves stop making, it's like, you know, like, like they don't even like it. They stopped. The guy at the top told you, we don't like it. We gave people's money back on that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was very vocal about absolutely hating everything Taurus. And I, I still have a millennium. That's a G2. That's a piece of crap. It is nothing like the G3s that I have. G3s are now loads better. They still have to deliver. Uh, yeah. the, the GX4 yeah. XL is really nice. Um, they still got to deliver, they still got to deliver consistency, uh, or consistently. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, how many other companies around that have the reach they have, uh, or have the volume they have, have made the changes they've made. Yeah, even just in, like the, the products look great now and the executive grade, they're, they're making revolvers that people want. Yeah. Um, you know, revolver roundup, you know, I talked with, you know, some of the back channel communications, like just some Taurus haters. Cause I got some flack, uh, probably as, as you have the same Matt, like you're thinking about doing stuff for Taurus. I'm like, it's actually pretty nice. And you know, not everybody needs to spend $600 on a gun, put a $400 optic on it, put a $200 trigger on it, put a $450 barrel on it to then put a $200 comp on it and then toss it into a $150 holster to go shoot. It's being honest. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you. I'm not paid by Taurus. They have sent me free guns. Absolutely. And I, that's, I haven't had to 
That hasn't been a secret. I, haven't been I've gotten free guns from everybody though. So yeah. I've gotten, yeah. I've gotten nicer free guns. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's, there's just, there's so many interesting revolvers that they make, you know? So when, when we were at revolver roundup and Caleb had of, of, of the four guns he had, three of them were the, the executive grade sized guns. So he had, he had the, the executive, he had their standard model, the six shot 38 special. And then he had the moon clipped five shot, nine millimeter. Yeah. And, and, and the nice thing about it is if you, you know, if you want something like that, you know, financially it's within the realm of possibilities for, I would probably say many people, you know, um, it's also interesting because if you, if you're wanting different capabilities or different, um, you know, you're using it for different purposes, you really can afford to buy a number of them. And I think that those, that set of three revolvers that Caleb had is a very reasonable set of guns. If you're serious about, you know, shooting, competing, carrying and stuff with those guns. I mean, you've got the, I would say the executive grade would be primarily the carry gun, you know, the, the, the most attention to detail, et cetera. You've got your backup gun. That's essentially identical in size, you know, capacity caliber, um, but maybe just not quite as refined. So it's a little bit less expensive. Maybe that's your dry fire gun. That's your range gun. And then the nine millimeter, you know, for me as a reloader, I can crank nine millimeter out like crazy and, you know, and to have, to have a caliber that's so easy to find brass, like it's literally free, you know, if you, if you want to go pick it up at the, at the range, a lot of times, um, you know, so, so a gun like that, that you can do a lot of practice with, or even carry as well. Um, you know, if you want to hire capacity, I know they make eight, seven, eight shotguns. I'm pretty interested once I can find one in stock, um, grabbing one of their eight shotguns and using it for matches. Um, so I just, I, I like that, you know, a lot of these guns they're making, you know, Smith charges over a thousand dollars for something that's, that's equivalent. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And, well, and the other side of that is I mean, the Taurus revolver, the Taurus revolvers were never really that bad in the first place. I, I mean, you know, there were a hundred percent, there were a lot more that came back. They'll be the first to tell you that, but they were never really that awful to begin with. You know, there's there's lots of old uh there's small frame revolvers there's lots of old old ones of those hanging around that you know, just still work the tourist like the the trackers like the 44 mags mm-hmm. yeah, i'm in western pennsylvania that's a that's a boomer you know carrying when you're hunting deer gun it's like the it's like the sig 2022 of taurus it's like the one consistent thing that you can really count on not the 226 oh i have a bunch of those those ones are not bad but I still buy old. Where can, where can you find a 2022 at? Um, I act so this is actually a funny thing. Um, the the range that I um run matches at, one of their like 12 days of Christmas um promos were SIG 2022s for either 300 or 350 dollars. And that's a good deal for that gun, I think. So good I, stuff. I guess they're still out there. They're around. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Let me kill the feed now. We'll talk to y'all later. Sorry. I, I wanted to do a quick shout out and then I derailed the whole thing. I'm sorry. Oh, don't apologize <laughs> at all. That was good stuff. I just like I, I literally I'm just like excited to buy a bunch of Taurus revolvers because I know that I, I think I saw some some leaked images of some 
some from the factory red dot ready guns, which is really cool. And yeah, I just hope Caleb keeps turning out different, interesting ideas because you know, Tom, Tom, like you were saying, like they're, they're us, like they, they know what shooters want because they're shooters and they're going to release, they're going to release revolvers for shooters, which is cool. And they're listening to the people that actually use their damn stuff and not engineers that think that they know better. Yeah. Cause it's another like, conversation. Cause like, for example, I, I bought one of those barrelless uh, round bus yes. model tens yes. for 200 bucks. And eventually down the road, I'm going to get a four inch heavy barrel. I'm going to have um, somebody cut it down to three inches and slab side it and put a front side in it and things like that. That's going to be a lot of money. You know, I, awesome. you, you can go get the Taurus executive grade that is also, you know, a slightly smaller six shot 38 special with a three inch barrel. And you can replace the front sight to get your point of impact exactly where you want. It's already got the, it's already got the spurless hammer, you know? And so when you look at the money you're going to put into modifying, I mean, when you talk about doing gunsmithing on revolvers, I mean, that gets, that gets spendy really quick for good reason. Um, but just the fact that you're getting just exactly what you want, you know, exactly what a lot of people that actually shoot those guns want, you know, in a gun that costs 500 bucks, you know, it's going to be $500 in gunsmithing to get that gun, to get that smith the way I want it. So are you going to actually do a shout out though to Alex? Um, Cause he said hi on YouTube. Oh yeah. I, I actually, I was, I, I texted him. Okay. So I know I, I was talking to him, me and him commute home about the same time and we both have a horrendous commute. So we end up talking multiple times a week about mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. And um, he just got a P30 Lem, mm -hmm. which I'm kind of jealous of. Those are cool guns. Just talking to HK about some stuff recently. Ah, anything? No. Just inquiries about various products that they have. Finally, no old older stuff. Well, P P I think I'm thinking I'm back. The thing I'm thinking of is older, older now. No, no, it's, it's, it's a, just, I was talking about USPs. Okay. Got one of those. Those are great guns. Well, I'll kill it now. Okay. See, see you all later. Merry see Christmas. You guys later. I see. Merry Christmas. <laughs>